0: Hello, Princeps. As you will come to realise later on in this podcast, Alex, me, seem to get some random audio dropout. Most of the time, it's completely unnoticeable. However, the annoying part is it seems to happen largely around when I'm reading descriptions out for Legio Ignatum, which has ultimately left to some of the descriptions being cut off. Doesn't overly affect the show. I'm sure if you've got the book open in front of you or if you want to clarify exactly what the wordings were or the exact descriptions, you can go and check that out yourself. However, all of the rest of the content is intact. Just a little bit annoying, but um, hopefully it won't affect your enjoyment of the podcast. So without further ado, let's get into it.
1: More fire, the podcast for princeps. I'm Alex and I'm Ben. And on today's episode, we're joined by Martin from the God Engine cast. Hi, guys. Hi, how you doing? Doing all right, doing all right. Good, good. So, Ben, tell us about what we're going to be talking about today. Uh, on today's episode, we're going to be talking about the uh, new battle being Clash of the Titans, tale of at least 60 gamers now. I believe <laughs> it's getting out of hand, <laughs> it is. Uh, I have a little bit of hobby update. Oh of course Martin's gonna introduce himself if you if you haven't heard the God Engine cast, which we highly recommend you do. The the second best Titanicus podcast. Oof, yeah, probably. fired Find Full Strides, not us. <laughs> uh then got some princeps questions and then in part two we're gonna talk about Legio Ignatum, the fire wasps, which is apparently a popular one. I didn't get it myself. Yeah. The red. Yeah. yeah. People um, like red things and red goes faster. Red does get faster. Uh, and then we've got some questions about them from the listeners as well. Cool. Oh. I mean, I, I think we should be doing another episode on uh, why uh, Corsair Maniples are the best. but
0: We could wax lyrical about this subject, couldn't we, at the end of the day? You know, I mean, like, it's the breadth of topic of conversation that we could have on that is inexhaustible, I think.
1: It, my, the Corsair Maniple has now infiltrated uh, Martin's cast, thanks to me, and also uh, what's it a full uh, table Standard have used two Corsair Maniples last three battle reports? They, they've been my A plus
2: Maniple since I started my podcast. So
0: Ben's been going door to door, knocking on people's <laughs> yeah. doors, and uh, basically making sure that they've heard about what a Corsair Maniple is and the benefits of of running one yep
1: one of my favorite response we get from our uh, like general gaming chat from the local guys on whatsapp is i don't know what titanicus is but ben what is a corsair maniple Because <laughs> <laughs> keep hearing about it like, oh, well uh, doing doing good work
0: so anyway before we get into the um uh, the majority of the the cast tonight just some quick bookkeeping and stuff so first off we have our new patrons i um, have joined us in the last month, so big shout-out to Ryan Head, Mecha Shiva, and Lee Grundy. Thank you very much, guys, for choosing to support the cast. We're growing a really good little Patreon community at the moment, and it's been great to see so many of you as well on our Discord server, um, which segues quite nicely into uh, we have, as we mentioned in the last cast, have a new Discord server op- open, getting some really, really good um traction with that at the moment. Lots of lots of people in there. Um, There's also quite a lot in the way of people from the um, community. Um, So we have people from Goonhammer, people from Tabletop Standards. Even Martin's kind of snuck in there in the uh, last day or so. So you never know who you might be uh, um, catching uh, when you're in there. Uh, So it's a great place to hang out. Um, We'll also be doing some uh, hangout and hobby nights, which um, we will talk about a little bit later. So Martin, host of the God Engine podcast, Welcome. Thank you. So tell us a little bit about you, and uh, I suppose we should give you a little bit of time to talk about the podcast. Well, yeah.
2: Um, well, I'm an American, uh, apparently. Uh, not by my voice.
0: Uh, adopted American.
2: Adopted American. I Originally from the UK, uh, born in the Midlands, uh, best part of England. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> um, got into Warhammer over there, back in the misty days of second edition of uh, 40K, um, stuck it out until I went to college. Went to college, got into other geeky stuff. Became an oil and gas geologist that took me to the States. I settled down over here. And then when I started going out to work on oil rigs, my wife was like, You should do that Warhammer thing you used to do. So I started collecting models. And then a few years ago, I picked up the new Titanicus box. Eventually, I got into Titanicus late. Uh, it was just after the Titan Death book dropped. She picked it up, flicked through it, and went, wow, this is a really good game. Reminds me of, like, second edition. Awesome. So I sold a Age of Sigmar Army and
1: picked up my DJ Incarnum.
0: The rest is history, as they say. Yeah, yeah. yeah.
1: year later, I started a podcast, so. That's how it goes. It's a slippery slope. Yeah, it is.
0: I, I think it's, it's fair to say that um, it, it's a very easy game to love. <laughs> it's one of those mm-hmm. ones which so many people, like, you start playing it, and it's like, right, okay how do I like take this another step forward? Like, let's, let's form a podcast, or let's form yeah. a, uh, a website. And it gets a little bit out of control.
2: There was only full stride at the time. And uh, Greg's a great guy, but he doesn't do many shows. So I was like, I can do more shows than that.
1: Almost weekly.
2: Yeah. I was aiming to be weekly there for a bit. Uh, then it, life caught up with me. And uh, hmm. yeah, now it's whenever I feel like. Yeah, it's supposed to be doing it.
0: So for those of you who haven't um, heard the God Engine cast, um, the God Engine cast started... About about 18 months ago, is it now? Yeah, it was end of February
2: 2020, just before pandemic started.
1: Perfect timing. Yeah, that is perfect time to be sat at home talking to yourself.
2: The first episode is all about <laughs> me talking about these plans I had to going around events in America and talking to people playing Titanicus and how this was going to be the first episode and really the only episode with me talking by myself. Yeah.
0: <laughs> well, you're a very, very brave man for doing that because like, mostly yeah. me and Ben do it in pairs so that uh, well we one of us can hide behind the other at any particular point i think it's fair to say that you kind of cornered the market um for AT podcasts in being a little bit like I say originally regular but also a little bit more bite-sized you like to keep your episodes generally around about an hour where compared to i think in the early days it was more like half an hour wasn't it
2: well i was i was aiming for 20 minutes the first episode hmm. Uh, there was a, there's a really good podcast for people who play Age of Sigma, or there was the uh, AOS Short, which basically took a tactical idea and just ran with it just one episode, 20 minutes' length. And I was trying to replicate that, and I failed horribly.
1: I wouldn't say you failed. I mean, like you, <laughs> no, you just no. evolved.
3: <laughs> yes.
1: You evolved. When we first started this, Peaky's plan was, we'd do like an hour, maybe an hour and a half for a long episode, and now we're lucky they end within two. Yeah. <laughs> <It's>,
0: <laughs> I, I don't think it happened bar the first or second episode we've actually hit less than (laughs) less than two hours um certainly not since we've been doing the legio deep dives yeah if you haven't heard of the god engine cast do check them out martin was um a massive help and a big inspiration to both me and ben when we were starting this podcast he was one of the first people to reach out to us and um give us that feedback and, and and a big big help um which helped make maximal fire what it is today so I think on behalf of both me and Ben, Martin, I know we've said this over text, but as you're here in person, we you know, big thank you. Um, we wouldn't be here today if it wasn't for you. And it's really great to have you on the show. Good.
2: means I get to listen to Titanic's content without hearing my own voice. Um. <laughs>
1: Except for this episode.
2: <laughs> well, yes, I'm aware.
1: <laughs> <laughs> well, also, I don't think I've said, Martin, but you also got me through the dark days when my wife first went back to work and I was oh, okay. putting Chloe to bed mm-hmm. and I needed something to listen to. Because so I could just put headphones on and ignore her uh-huh. crying and try and get her down. And that's actually when I found the God Engine cast and the backlog okay. got me through that first two weeks of fun. As any dad probably knows, the relentless crying. Yeah. It, it's it's a lot easier when you can go. Ah, oh, they're crying still here. You know, you you've got the secret juice that puts them to sleep, and I don't. <laughs> <laughs> Unfortunately. Okay.
0: So we're going to be talking Legio Ignarton today,
1: which yep. I understand
0: is uh, has a, a certain place in your heart, Martin. It does. Um, I mean, they aren't the
2: Legio Mortis. Um, I'll, I'll tell the story now. I've told it on the God Engine Castle, we segue in anyway. Um, when I got into Titanicus, I wanted to pick which Legio I was going to do. And I wanted to do Legio Mortis because they are the Legio that appear with the Iron Warriors in my favourite Black Library book, Storm of Iron. Good book. Very good book. Yeah. Um, then I got talking to my mate, who... Was the guy who was getting me into Titanicus and he was collecting Legio Mortis. It's like, oh, well, I'm not going to do the same Legio as him. So I do the guys they fought against. So I do Legio Incarnum. Uh, and then I realized I actually really like them because it was about the same time I started segueing myself out of collecting everything Chaos. And Legio Incarnum are definitely not that.
1: No. That's when me and George were lucky because George like, I'm doing Fury. And so I said, which one's that? So the ones, the yellow ones, are the black flames. I'm like, yep, yeah, you're good. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not going to fight you on that one. No.
3: No.
2: Um, but yeah, no, and then I got into Lead and Kahneman. I think we'll touch on it in a bit. They're a bit of a blank slate for people deciding what they're about. It's only very recently their laws started to coalesce, so.
0: I think AT has been very, very good for kind of pulling together all of the canon. I think yeah. for, for a long, long period of time, there was so much disparity in, in, in the books which were published.
1: But is even the, what was it, the, uh, the comic that Dan, that Dan Abnett did? Is that just Titanicus? The the art in that would within within the same episode, Titans would change size massively, massively. Not even uh, because they've got one of the front covers. There's they've got one of the uh, the Gatling blasters, and there's like a tiny tiny walkway going the entire length of it, which gives you the idea that it's like the gun alone would be bigger than any building that's ever been built on Earth. But obviously, then they're not.
2: The the thing is, Titans at the end of the day are kaiju, and kaiju never say the same size throughout a movie, anyway. So we can just look mm. past it.
0: Or maybe maybe it's like I, I was reading this whole idea that the emperor's size is entirely dependent on who he's talking to at that any any particular yeah. moment, and it's all psychically imprinted. Maybe yeah. maybe it's the same. Yeah. Like, do you? How much are you afraid of this Titan? <laughs> well, then your perception of it will be a damn sight yeah. bigger. <laughs> oh. if, if it terrifies yeah. you, narrator, we'll, we'll get away with it, okay?
1: <laughs> it's, it's the uh, classic, it's the classic World War Two thing. What was it? Every tank's a tiger, and every gun was an eighty-eight. They weren't, but that's mm. what the infantry said. Oh, it's a tiger tank there, <laughs> uh, but no, but okay, <laughs> it's another Panther four, uh, Panzer yeah. four. Yep.
0: Yeah. Um, so, anyway, let's move on to the hobby updates. Um, the big, big news um, that's come out in the last week, um, probably the week last. Yeah, last week I think, by the time this goes out, is um Battlebling have announced um the latest run of Clash of the Titans. So this is an Instagram based challenge. Um those of you who've listened to the, the podcast in the past may recall that um when we were starting this out, myself, Ben, and um, the guys from Battlebling and a few others did a a little challenge. It was I think there was eight of us and um we basically challenged each other to get a seventeen fifty point um uh, Legio built in the space of three months. Now, things have progressed, let's just say, uh, beyond that. And although a lot of the people who um, participated in the first Clash of the Titans will be returning and doing the same, um we decided to make this an entire community wide event. Um, so, what does that mean? Well, 80Clash of the Titans is the hashtag, and anybody in the community can follow along um, with the action and contribute. Um, to to the event essentially you pick three months worth of challenges um with a um, goal to set on month one another goal for month two and another goal for month three and it's just about getting the community together and encouraging people to sit down and paint titans and um it was an amazing event to be part of um the first time even with our little small bubble of people the first time we found ourselves being so. Pro- I mean, Ben was ridiculously productive. He basically did the challenge twice. Did in three weeks. <laughs> <That's the start. laughs> um, and yeah, just having that constant feedback um, and encouragement just like drove people to whole new levels of um, uh, whole whole new levels of productivity. And we were speaking to the guys at Battleplane and uh, they wanted to do it again. And it was like, how can we get more people involved? Well. They have launched the new hashtag AT Clash of the Titans, and they have um, also developed and built for this particular um, event a Clash Pack. And within the Clash Pack, there is um, some scenic items, a little bastion. If any of you remember, actually, the old card buildings of second and third edition Warhammer 40,000. You may be familiar with the style of the uh, the Bastion, which has been developed um, and as part of the Clashback. I'm really, really hoping that they do the Firebase at some point. I think I've still got the card version of it somewhere in my in my loft. Um, a little plaque, which you can paint up and put in front of your Titans um, to prove that you've taken part in the challenge. Um, and there's also um, a certificate. But the main part of this is that the money isn't just going into Battleblings' pockets. They are going to be investing the funds to basically give out prizes. And at the end of um, every week, every week on a Wednesday, myself, Ben and the guys from Battlebling will be trawling through the hashtag on Instagram and looking for something that we think is worthy of receiving a prize. and then the Battlebling guys will give that prize out. I'm not sure what the prizes are going to be at this particular point. they've helped kept that quite close to their chests. but yeah, essentially. Build Titans, paint Titans, post Titans, win
1: prizes. What more could you want? I, I believe some of it's gonna be limited edition stuff, isn't it? They're only doing for the challenge. I be- I believe. Yeah. I could be wrong on that.
0: Yeah, I I maybe took it out of turn. I think that I think the Bastion is also gonna be Yeah. Um
1: limited edition just for the cashback. I think something I I I believe Johnny said, I don't know if the plans have changed a bit, but I believe some of the, some of the some of the prizes will only be available through this challenge. Hmm. So um yeah, it gives it. give a good reason to do, uh, to carry on going. It's going to be what, probably twelve, thirteen price weeks, I guess.
0: Yes, yeah, so, something, something like that. And I can already say that from touching base with, um, with the guys at battle playing, they've sold at this point something like is it fifty Clash packs? So we've gone from
1: F- fifty-five sold through Etsy at least. Plus they've got eBay. Plus they've got um club club packs.
0: That's uh, amazing. Yeah. Um, you so know, really I mean, good. we're going from just eight of us to over, over, you know, fifty or sixty people, and hopefully those numbers will continue to swell. So, if you want to paint some titans, we want to get involved. Do check it out. Head over to the Battle Bling, um Instagram page and watch the videos. Find out how you can get involved. So, I say, suppose moving on from that, I mean, That's um, Alex, you should probably
1: say what you're doing. What you're doing is part of the Clash of the Champion champions. Yes, Clash yeah, of the yeah, Titans. Yeah. Clash of the
0: Titans. Uh well, for those of you who followed the show, you may have um recalled a little bit of uh disappointment in me selling my Graphonicus only for Games Workshop to immediately make them better. Um I sold them I think it was a week before the changes came in <laughs> and was hit with masses amounts of massive amounts of regret immediately after parting with them. I mean I, it, one hand was full of regret. The other hand was full of lots and lots of money so that was nice but um yeah i've i'm returning to my graphonicus um anybody who follows me on instagram will say i recently painted up a reaver and a warhound so this time i am going to i'm gonna i'm not starting from scratch unless i've obviously already got those built but i've just finished um a second reaver titan and my plans for month one is to paint another reaver titan and another warhound and then for month two, I'm going to paint a warlord, and then I'm really going to challenge myself with month three being the, the big daddy, which is the Warmaster. Not sure if I'm going to hit that, but if I don't, it doesn't matter. But it'll give me that drive to, uh,
1: to get that big boy done. What about you, Ben? Uh, well, I'm a bit confused, firstly, Piki. Surely the big daddy is to do the last two Reavers you need for the Corsair Manapur.
0: Oh, they will be Sorry. coming along. Okay. Coming along nicely. But I have I have had this this Warmaster sat
1: mm. <laughs> built and primed and undercoated since it came out. Mine's not even built, I'm ashamed to say. That might be my month free <laughs> as well. Uh, so I'm doing Legio Kratos, which does remind me, Pete, can you uh, paint up a Legio Kratos army and sell it before the traitor book comes out? Can I? Can yeah. I, can I yeah.
0: do it? Oh, you mean you mean just so it gets a boost? Yes. And just so he, they make it good? Yeah. No, I don't think I've got the time for that.
1: <laughs> you sure? It doesn't have to be good. Just paint and sell it. <laughs> um, yeah, so I'm starting with the... Um, always bad with names. Is Ru- Ruptura Manipul. Yes. Yeah, so I've, I've got two War War uh, Warbringers and a Reaver built. And I've got certainly so month one, hopefully. I might only do two titles month one because... It being summer holidays, my free time at the moment is quite scarce uh, than normal. I'm not gaining any like random day off when there's no kids for six hours, and I can do some chores in the morning and get some paintings done in the afternoon. So it'll basically be five Titans in the first two months. Partly also because I need these for a tournament at the beginning of October. So that kind of has dictated the speed I have to do this at. Uh, I'm doing a, a Guys, look up Race for Terror. I've been I, think I talked about this before on the podcast on YouTube. I'm using his guide on how to paint um, Kratos. It looks really good and it's really simple. And then, um, month three, I'm going to paint a Warhound because I need that for our tournament in November because it's not 1750. We're doing 1650, which George is not very happy with anymore. And I do agree, it's quite hard to write an army that's for 1650, apparently. It, you, who for 100 points would make that much difference? But it, it does right, shakes it
0: up a little bit, though.
1: Yeah, it does. It just yeah, shake things up and and nerf no, the exterstergus Stur- Stur- players. Yeah, that's right. That's why I did it. <laughs> <laughs> Not really. Should have gone to two five. Gone, should have yeah, gone. what's yeah. Should Was it for uh, fourteen fifty? Just to really <laughs> mess up the exterstergus oh, players. You can take it, dirty. but you're gonna have no good
0: weapons. <laughs> I'm trying to work out what you could actually get in that like 150 points You're lots could... of
1: missiles and lots of quake cannons I guess <laughs>
0: mm. uh, yeah I mean luckily I won't be taking my extergamus uh mana right. pool for
1: that uh, but yeah the month either going to be so it's going to be one warhound and either two more warhounds or I'll do the warmaster it depends what kind of mood I'm in and where I'm at I've... the problem is we're doing this right in the middle of doing a necromunda painting challenge Yeah, and I've Kind of got it a little bit into Gaslands and I want to paint up some cars, which won't take long, but it's still another day's or two's painting out the way. Um, good fun game though, Gaslands. And and then I kind of dug from a box found my Bastatec stuff I kind of want to get painted. So that Kickstarter did, which I forgot about because of COVID. Too
0: many hobbies, not enough time. Yeah. A typical
1: older gamer problem, right? <laughs> I mean, in all fairness, this is going to get a priority, right? If the Necromander stuff doesn't get a on time, sorry, about if you're listening to this now, all the other guys doing it, I care more about Titanicus. But I do want to get the uh, Necromunda stuff done. I have basically finished this month already, so I can concentrate on these guys.
0: What about you, Martin? Are you considering taking part in the Clash?
1: Probably not. <laughs> I've got um, my Iron Halo
2: tournament coming up in the end of September. So in a few days, it is going to be scenery all the time.
0: Yes, yeah, I remember like the, the month or two before um, myself and Ben were busy absolutely cramming, trying and get all of our scenery painted up ready for our tournament that we did Yeah, I'm, in July. I've got so I sympathize.
2: four tables worth painted. At the moment, that's all I need, but we'll see how sign-ups go. Yeah, Inevitably, there's going to be the, I should really do this thing, and then suddenly that's the next two weeks of my time gone.
0: Yeah. On the subject of, of Iron Halo, you were you were talking, I believe, in one of your latter latter casts mm-hmm. about um, possibly extending it. Yeah, out um, to more
2: people. I will try if if I sell out, I can. I'm going to turn around to the tournament organizer and be like, "Hey, can I have some more room?" Um, because we have a big space. Um, and I took a low number so I could sell out and expand rather than add a number yeah, to the tables absolutely. I had. So if I expand, I've got to get additional tables made. So
0: so while you're on do you want to do you want to just uh, tell people what the iron halo is all about sure. the iron halo itself is a
2: three-day convention in bartlesville oklahoma which is about an hour's north of tulsa um it is predominantly and has been a 40k tournament that has run out there for the last eight years i want to say um considered one of the big major events on the tournament scene um in the side rooms there are a couple of specialist games that run and this, last year I ran a Titanicus event and I'm running it again this year. I've got last year we ran three tables, this year it should be four to five, eight to ten players, six games very narrative. Continuing the story from last year which is about a small Forge world trying to decide whether it's going to stay with the Imperium or the Warmaster. Actively for this one, uh, for the sides to take it back from the Black Shield who won last time.
0: We'll probably be picking your brains at some point soon, because I know that uh, Ben has a, um, not so much a narrative campaign planned for us to be running, but certainly a... A campaign um, weekend, map-based. A campaign yeah. weekend, uh, yeah.
1: yeah. Kind of that middle ground where you take, you're taking the more match play side of it and moving into campaign weekend, fluffing it up a bit.
2: That's sort of how the event runs. I, I tell everyone to show up with a tournament list, and I have a series of pre-written missions on every table. So as the game goes on... I then throw in, like, hey, let's just gather around and talk about what's going on in the story. I just tell a bit of a story.
0: So will you be taking uh, your knights this time?
2: Uh, it depends on if we get an odd number of players. If there's an odd number of players, I show up as a spoiler, and every player gets a fight to fight a different list. Because why not? It's my event, so I will.
0: Oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah, absolutely, your prerogative. <laughs> yeah. Oh, that sounds like a really good fun. Yeah. Yeah, so if you if you are in uh, in that part of the world and you are looking for a tournament to play in September, yep. Um, yep. check out the God Engine cast. Is it all your details on your Instagram?
2: It should be, and I'll be reposting it all again pretty soon.
1: That's like, it definitely is. I'm just quickly going to go and check my Instagram. to. Uh...
2: <laughs> I'm going to be doing a big push this coming week when we're recording because I'm wanting people to sign up so I know whether I need to expand the event or not. So Yeah, hmm.
0: gives you enough time.
1: Yep. Yeah. Listening to lots of different games over the years, I do find the way American tournaments are run and UK tournaments organised are so different. I always find it really interesting because, like in the UK, it's like right tickets got to sell here and they seem to sell out fairly quickly. Normally, mate, a lot of big yeah. events anyway. Whereas in America, it seems more like we're in a tournament. We'll see if it turns up, you know. We'll plug in a bit, and it just uh, it's not just not just with this. Well, like when I used to do Flames of War, the American podcast of Flames of War. That's how they yeah we just we just there was an event on we just rocked up. Like we we don't do that here. <laughs> uh, it's all about travel times.
2: Because I, I know a bunch of my buddies I'm talking to uh, over in um, Arkansas, which is an hour away from where I live. They don't know if they're going to be able to go because it's a three hour journey for both of us, and they'll make the mind up and they'll decide whether they can afford the hotel room and the like, you know.
0: And then you've got to factor in whole COVID.
2: Yeah, thing. let's yeah yeah we'll see how we're doing.
1: Let's go no further with the C word. <laughs> I, bet, yeah. I was about to say, it's starting to rear the ugly, ugly head again in America, isn't it? Ye- yeah. yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I, <laughs> you know, I you know it's because I follow American football and it's like, yeah, the season's going to go ahead. Yeah, we're... I'll talk about that on future podcasts because it is going to affect
0: <laughs> the event. But... <laughs> yeah, unfortunately so. It's affected everything and yeah. it will continue to for a while. But yeah. all we can do is 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 plan for the best and... Yeah. Make sure we also plan for the worst at the same time. I'd say yeah. should sure
1: plan for the worst and hope for the best, not plan for the best. Hope for
0: the best. Well, yeah. Plan for the best. best. No restrictions
1: best. everyone. Everyone <laughs> can, it's fine. <laughs> yeah.
0: Okay. With yeah. that
1: logic, you should write you should work for the government, Alex. Yeah.
0: Always the Ooh. optimist, mate. Let's not get political. Come on. <laughs> <Okay>. <laughs> yeah. Anyway, this this segues in quite nicely uh to our uh, princeps questions. Yep. We've had a couple of questions actually so far this, this time round which have been focused on tournaments and running events um, first one by uh, Mecha Shiva who's one of our patrons on uh, Discord mm-hmm. well he's on, on Patreon but he <laughs> l- l- logged this question through Discord um, he says how do you decide on rules changes for events? It Seems like everyone has different opinions on what holes are in the rules and how to fix them is it better to avoid changing rules so you don't alienate players who weren't aware of them or just don't like them? Ben, do you want to go first? What's your opinion on that?
1: So I do and I don't mind this kind of stuff. So I think some t- like I think restrictions can be good because it can mix up events. So if you do lots of events, but well, let's say like when I used to play Flames One, I'd probably do before I had a kids, I would probably do nine tournaments a year. Each tournament having like, their own little take on how to balance things meant that you kinda of had a little different experience every time you went. Uh, but I was a hardcore tournament gamer, so it kinda of catered to me. More casual gamers, like, it can be annoying, I guess. You know, you've just... A lot of people don't haven't played that much Titanicus before COVID. You know, after COVID, it's not necessarily everyone's main game. Uh, with actual, like, actual physical rule changes, though, I'm not normally as keen. Like, so let's say someone, oh, where Maximal doesn't up your he- heat anymore. I'd be like, mm, no, that's kind of a core mechanic to the game. Stuff like Vortex, you no, know, we're just banning it, or Vortex will limit it to one, or Vortex we're not doing anything with. That That I've got absolutely no issues with. That's fine. I understand that one. Uh, thing, And then things like Warbringers, kind of going, are they Corridor, are they Arc? Uh, it's not so much a rule change, it's more just a clarifying how the events will run it, which is kind of important, I, th- I feel. And you don't want to turn up on the first game, and you both got Warbringers, and I've taken a gyro because. I assumed it was going to be corridor, and my opponent hasn't taken a gyro because he assumed it was going to be Arc, and no matter what way they rule it, one of us is now at a disadvantage, not a massive one, obviously, but you know, it has affected our list building, it has affected our what we would have taken. So stuff like me, you and George at the moment are going for like a list of questions we've been asked which the FAQ hasn't answered and going like, this is our this is our FAQ. this is how we're running it until G w say otherwise or someone comes in with other information and we change our mind on it, I guess.
0: What's your take on it, Martin?
1: Okay, so everyone has a conversation
2: before the start of the game about what rules they're going to be using in that game. Even if you aren't consciously doing it, you're showing up to play a game with your best mate who you talk about the game all the time, you've already had the conversation how you're going to work certain rules. When you show up to an event, you're going to play people who you haven't had that conversation with. So the event organizer basically needs to set out this is how we're going to work these things, because if you've got trying to cram a lot of games in a day, I mean, I'm planning on doing three a day. The Halo, I don't want players to have to have that discussion before they they play. I want it to be fair across all the tables. Everyone's doing it the same way, so you write the the rules.
0: And it stops it stops arguments as well. But not only arguments, but I guess anybody who's ref a tournament can know how full on that experience mm-hmm. can be. And if you're constantly going backwards and forwards between tables, answering those sorts of questions, it can take up a lot of time. Whereas, I go, I suppose, if you just simply say, that, "lay it out, this is how it is, these are our interpretations on those yeah. grey areas," then it it removes that and it just allows the refs to focus on the important yeah. stuff.
2: Well, um, and in my opinion, I'm just going to, the rest of the question was like, "What do we need to do to fix it?" The thing you need to fix is anything that will make the players have a poor play experience. and Yes, agreed. Like, the more the players have invested into the weekend, the event, the more you need to go through the rules and file off those sharp edges. If this is just you and your guys going around a Thursday night game of Titanicus, you're probably okay just using it out of the box. The Halo, where I know people are going to be dropping a couple of hundred dollars to travel there, plus Mm -hmm. the hotel rooms and all that stuff, I've got to spend a lot more time making sure no one has a really bad game.
0: Yeah, And that, I guess, can only come through understanding the restrictions that you're going to put in place. I don't think, if you're planning on running an event, I don't think you can kind of arbitrarily just say, I don't want this in my tournament, having not played with them. I know that certainly from our perspective, Ben, myself, George, and some of our friends, um, we played, I mean, Ben played 13 games in what, 10 days, was it? One week?
1: Uh, it's over two weeks.
0: Yeah, and you, you do, there is an element of rigorously testing these things. Mm-hmm. And a lot of the rules which um, we wrote into um, the Reactor Meltdown were based on our findings of exactly what you were saying there, Martin, like what made a bit of a poor experience. And even post the the tournament being run and finished we actually came away with well actually there were things in that that happened there which we hadn't considered ourselves and have led us to then revise our own understandings and our own ideas about maybe what we might do differently next time Yeah,
2: absolutely and if you're running an event that's the biggest thing you can do is talk to your players at the end of the event you want to know those moments that you missed to make sure you can get an idea of what went wrong for example the iron halo this year i'm removing the blast trait from the uh, Murder Turtles, the Preferians, because
0: mm.
2: everyone hated it. There wasn't a single person at the event who was like, why are we using these blast rules?
0: Do you not worry that by removing the blast rules, you make them snipers? Um,
2: yes, I think I'd... I'm i not worried because I'm not changing the price, but I'm lo- effectively going to lower the number of dice on the weapon.
1: Yeah. The the, the thing is, the turtle quite often kills a Warhound by just hitting it with his normal weapons. Yeah. Because each hits two hits. So by removing that, it's not going to be doing the damage it needs to be. Just removing a titan. It's the same reason that we're probably banning or re- definitely restricting uh, vortex because vortex missiles. It, you know, one shot. It one shots a warhound. Yeah. Where's the where's, yeah, and, um, where? Where's the where? No, sorry. Where's the tactical battle of just going? I fire it. You're dead. Yeah, yeah.
2: <laughs> I'm not worried about the accuracy of the uh, um the Perforium being able to snipe as well. It's got a ballistic skill of five. Or four plus. So you're you're going sniping. It's it's going to be pretty hard to do, and uh, you just got to stop it from sitting there with orders. And the problem with the blast trace is when it
1: misses, template's still there.
0: Yeah, yeah. it still so, might hit something else. Yeah, yeah.
1: It kind of makes it. It kind of makes it like ballistic skill two point eight effective or two point seven ish. Yeah.
0: And I'll tell you something. The, the amount of games that I've played where people have missed me, and then it seems to so, it, it never happens with me. It's only ever with my opponents. They scatter an inch. Yeah. And then I'm <laughs> still getting two hits on me. You missed. You're still hitting me for two. Especially if you're targeting something like a warlord. You know, you, there's a good chance you're going to hit.
1: I do hate it, though, when that happens with one of my blast gun shots or my, with my Psagius, because then I've I've actually hit with a miss. So I don't get to re-roll location.
0: Ah, well, there you yeah. go. At that least you're good.
1: playing the rules honestly, though, Ben.
0: Bloody. What's the point otherwise? Yeah, exactly. Um, There's, there's another sort of follow-on question to this, um, which is from Stu Warner um aka Stuby in the discord channel aka Livid Fish Paints at um on his Instagram page if you haven't checked him out by the way do check him out he's done some really really nice work he's working on some Mortis at the moment which are just looking absolutely fantastic so Uh,
1: they're the ones with quite a lot of white and red aren't they
0: yes yeah 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 and he's got
1: like it so it's a slightly different slightly different take on the scheme but it's really nice
0: yeah and what one of his I think it's a Reaver's got like a um got the um so I assume he's done it as a stencil. It might have free handed it. I'm not sure. But like um, at the star, at the eight point star of um, chaos, which looks really, really sweet. So yeah, if you haven't checked out Livid Fish Paints, do check him out. But he has asked, what advice would you give somebody who is looking to run their first tournament or first event?
3: Ooh,
2: that's a good one. Just do it. I mean, there is, I think, is the standard advice with anything in this hobby. If you're considering doing something, you think you know how to do it, just do it. When you have a problem, when you reach a point you don't know what to do, ask someone. There are plenty of people in this community who are more than willing to ask you to solve that particular problem.
0: Yeah, I absolutely mm-hmm. agree with that. Like, the, it's it's just we're lucky to have one of those communities where you don't get sarcastic remarks or you don't get sort of down um, trodden for kind of asking hashtag you know, like in, in inverted commas mm-hmm. stupid questions. Like, there's everybody's out there to help each other.
2: Yeah. I think past that, the only big advice I'd have is set your expectations. The community is big, there's a lot of people in it. I know, it, but at a local level, there are also not that many people. So, events are smaller than 40K events by a long way. But going out and starting to play, t- playing Titanic in the community, people will come out of the woodwork. You've got a collection and start playing.
1: You know, I, I, I actually ran my first Flames of War tournament before I played in the Flames of War tournament. Basically, it was always you know someone needs to run a tournament. No one put their hands up, so I will do it. Yeah. Uh, the one thing I would say it uh, depending where you are. So obviously a lot of UK events tend to be based around gaming shops. Especially now we've got a lot of independent stockists in the UK, which is amazing. And this is no disrespect to independent stockists. Always take how much terrain they say they can provide with a pinch of salt. Yeah. so So um, my first, the first thing tournament I talked about, they said, oh yeah, we can provide like six tables worth of terrain. No, close to three would have been a push with what they had fortunately so one of the members of the community said i wouldn't trust them by the way and that's not and again it was very odd to say i'm not being I'm not being rude i just wouldn't trust them i'll bring some terrain a couple of people brought terrain and we made it work from the stuff people brought it was fine but yeah just you know you, you end up with like warhammer world esh tables yeah. with like three bits of terrain on and that, that's not fun for anyone it was a similar um,
0: experience um, with Reactor Meltdown. Like, I think we managed four tables, I think it was, in the end um, from the store-based stuff. It was really nice mm. stuff, foreground, 6 slash 8 millimeter terrain. If you haven't seen foregrounds, um, it's like adult leg. i I, I describe it as adult leg, I yeah. bloody love this stuff. I've got loads of the t- 28 millimeter World War II foreground scenery, and it's just fantastic. Um, pre-painted MDF stuff, really, really cool. Uh, but yeah, we had four tables of that. Um, and then Goldie from Goldie's Prince came along, and he provided um, a table purely of his stuff as well, which was a great selling point for Goldie, but it was also a fantastic-looking table. And then I, I think myself and Ben and George provided the equivalent of, with our normal terrain, I think it was another three or four tables and everything else, we bulked out with the incredible cardboard stuff you can get for Drop Fleet Commander. Yeah. Um, and if you are looking for terrain... For your event on a budget, that stuff is really good.
1: Yeah, you get twenty buildings for twenty for twenty pounds. I think it's like thirty or thirty-five dollars, I believe. And they're they're a little big for Titanicus, but uh, for the price, it and it works and it's good.
2: Yeah, one of the big tricks used over here in the states in forty k circles is the sponsored table. Mm. So you'll you'll go through and everyone you'll you'll get people who will run other events to act. Hey, if you're going to come to my event, can you bring enough seat for a table? And I'll put something on the table saying, "This table brought to you by Blur Event,"
3: yeah.
2: um, and that that takes the workload off. And it's kind of how I'm going to expend out the halo this year. I've got some people who'll bring scenery, but
0: all I can say is that thank God for lockdown <laughs> for all of for all of the like rubbish that there's been in the last eighteen months. Not being able to go out and do anything has really given us a lot of time to paint up terrain and paint titans it's we've made the most of it as a community Hmm. haven't we yeah well some folk have
1: (laughs) (laughs) i'd also i can't remember the guy's name but also if you go on ebay there's a guy does mdf trains for titanicus it's really cheap it's what i use to be on my instagram you have seen it i did have to jazz up a bit it's a bit basic but it's not hard to cut it up and is that quarter scale it's the right scale i mean is, is that
2: the name of the quarter scale game
1: I don't know. I just bought it. Yeah, <laughs> but okay. I got. I, I spent. I spent under fifty pounds, and I had more than I needed. Yeah, um, I'm. I'm actually going to do it again at some point. Buy another table's worth and paint it in a different color because we're going to be running more events.
0: The MDF stuff is is nice, but obviously it does take some some building, which is the beauty of of the pop up and not pop up, but the the cardboard terrain. Mm. I mean, it's not going to be. Um, you know, it, it's not going to take a beating. Yeah, um, like. More hardware in terrain will, but for an event it's it's pretty perfect. Um I've spoken
2: about this on my podcast, but I'll do it here or segue and train. One of the th- ways I built a lot of terrain really quickly is wool filler. That's stuff used to expanding foam. Mm. You can use that to build hills really quickly. Bit of grease proof, proof paper down on your workspace and then just spray it out and tint tinted giant giant mounds.
3: Oh uh, uh, yeah, good
2: idea. Let it let it um harden, uh, smooth it off and it turns into hills. I went and got a bag of uh Z scale railroad t- trees spray the whole thing with a rock texture paint so that you can get at most hardware stores and then just pop these trees all over the top.
0: Nice. I always keep um, thinking that I need to ask people what scale I'm supposed to be buying um, for yeah um, t- um, train set yeah. stuff because there's so so much good terrain that you can get through the um, model railroad road hobby um, yeah. so that's a Z scale mm-hmm. is it Z scale. If you're in the, yeah. you're in the UK, Z-Scale. Yeah,
2: scale. yeah. You know, my Americanism is coming out. I'll say y'all <laughs> next.
0: Um, <laughs>
2: um, yeah, no, uh, Z-Scale work real, really well. Um, I'm not sure if it's the exact translation, but when I'm using for trees, trees don't have a great scale anyway.
1: Right, yeah, of course, yeah. It could be just a small tree yeah. or a very big tree. Uh, just say the train's done by a guy called Alex73UK uh, on on eBay. It's actually, okay. He actually calls it epic terrain, but uh, it also says great. It, says in the, it literally says in the title, Great for Adeptus Titanicus. And yeah. it is. It's, it's There's one massive building and then there's a few small ones. Um, but yeah, it is, it's, it's really good stuff. For the, for the price, yeah. I can't complain. Cool. Okay, next
0: question. Uh, this is from one of our regular contributors to the show, Matt Bramley, as uh, one of our patrons. He asked in Discord, What do you think is the most underrated Legio? Ben, write us. Quite not just because you're doing it.
1: Uh, well, I mean, they look sexy. Uh, it's actually something that Zach got me onto from Goonhammer, and he is kind of right. The missile is actually pretty good. I, I went off it as one shot weapon, and also for some reason I thought you actually had to damage for the um, quake effect to work, where well, you don't. You just have to hit. So for ten points, it's kind of you know. And now that we're going to more objective based games with um, uh, the open war games that we're mostly playing. Um, actually slowing down enemy titans is really powerful
0: it's all about objective grabbing maneuver hmm. yeah it's, it's it makes for a very different game when you're playing it.
1: but but for a sensible answer uh underrated there's oh, which one is it feel for a second because i know there's there's a really good one which just came out recently as in when i say recently i mean since lockdown because okay. people haven't played as <laughs> so much since then
2: yeah I've, I've got one and i'll get the lead in case it's the same one um, you're thinking of, which is Legio Oberon, the Deathbolts 2.
1: No. Nice. Okay. That's a different one to me, actually.
2: Um, they're a sleeper one, and I've, I've been looking at them recently and been like, huh. So, their Legio trait uh, means that for every order you pass that is the same, you get plus one bonus. So your Princeps will pass the order, and then the next person to pass the same order gets plus one, and the guy after that plus two, and that one after that plus three. Yeah. Caps are plus three, but that's really useful in those mana pools where you're running a lot of warhounds, without shenanigans. Absolutely. Um if you're within they got a second trait which allows them it's called armored ph- phalanx. So if you're within 2 inches of another titan of your legion, you're minus 1 of all armor rolls incoming attacks to minus 1 strength across the board, which is re- nice. really fun again with the warhounds. They get a two point stratagem called decisive action, and when you play it, you immediately get to automatically make all full stride and first fire orders in the first turn. Or, later in the game, full stride or split fire, without needing to make a check.
0: That's really good, because there's 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 other there's lots of other um, stratagems you can take, which is just, like I said, that one hit just for full stride, mm. or yeah. I think some of the traitor ones, um, Bloodlust, yeah. I think, is one of them, you know, yeah. just for charging. Um, yeah, that's nice.
2: And their final one is a three-point stratagem called Strategizer, which denies the enemy's stratagem, providing it's a two-point or less stratagem.
0: Wow, so it's basically a mini Vox Blackout. Just for that one thing. It's, it's one more strategy. You're
2: basically giving up a stratagem point to stop them using a stratagem. Um, yeah. I think they have the flexibility for you to put basically any mana pool together. Ideally, one with, I think, the works well with Warhounds because they're the armored phalanx, but it's a very different feel. I think it's a very good set of rules to use as a, for any style of play.
0: And and just remind the listeners, like, what's the colour scheme on that one?
2: They're the orange and black. So orange with black triangles with a sort of silver Yes, Get an airbrush, guys. (laughs) They're
0: they're the ones that kind of look almost like dazzle camo style. Yeah,
2: yeah, yeah, Yeah. they're pretty cool. Um, I definitely think as far as rules go, they are up there.
1: Yeah, nice. Ben, have you finally, like, have you rallied... So, okay. i'm not i'm not sure i'm not sure these guys are amazing but i think they've got some play and they're one which go, there's quite a few tricks to them and that's legio osadax the cockatrice mm. which i don't really see anyone talk about but basically their their main stratagem is effectively fo- uh what's it was the furions one um
0: the offensive surge. offensive surge
1: but for every titan not just one Maniple, which is the downside Ooh. to Defensive Surge, and it's something that really messes up George when he's list building in uh, larger points, or sometimes even smaller points. You can't retake really two Maniples, because as soon as you do, your stratagem is reduced. Yeah. Um, so this one, that's their version. Now, one of your Titans does have to die. That's the downside to this. But then for three points, every single one of your Titans gets to shoot with a weapon. Yeah. That's, pretty, that's actually pretty powerful, and because it's not just... Whereas Offensive Surge sometimes can be quite frustrating because it's, uh, you know, a weapon gets to shoot again. This one is every Titan gets to shoot with a weapon, so if you line them up and you've got three Titans looking at looking look at one target, you can very rapidly, like, blast it open with a volcano cannon, then tar- do some targeted shots. Uh, the downside to that, of course, is you do take two Heat, so it probably does... You probably do want to be taking bigger Titans... Uh, they do have an upgrade, which is plasma channels, which uh, does allow you to re- to remove D three plus one pl- uh, heat from your Titan, but you can't move. So it is a little bit of a downside. It also cancels your activating in the movement phase. So if you let's say emergency repair and they went, oh, I need to get more heat off, then did this, then you wouldn't be able to shoot. So there's a little bit of a trickiness to that one. But they never suffer any min- minuses to command, and never and never have to reroll command tests, which is pretty good. Um, and they've they're their one point one one. Allows you to go in full stride orders uh, tied for without command checks for a turn. Yeah, nice. pretty strong. Or else, it's it's actually, yeah. they're not bad, and I love the scheme. The scheme's amazing. Yeah. yeah, yeah.
2: The other one I quickly want to mention because it's a good one is the Firebrand's Legio Artoris. Mm. They're especially really useful for one particular Titan. If you want to paint a loyalist Warmaster Titan, paint it in the Firebrand's colors. Um... They're Infernus missiles, so they're missile pods into Void Breakers. Mm. So those three missile shots the War master carries will guarantee to get an additional two Void Shield saves. That actually makes those little missiles actually fairly useful. Plus, they've got the manipul of one stratagem that means you can give your War master any Maniple it feels like for one turn. Hey, Warmaster, oh, nice. hey, War for a turn you can be a Corsair Maniple. Go for it.
1: Yeah. <laughs> you can, for a turn you, you can be an because you really need the benefits of those <laughs> <Yeah>. weapons. <laughs> I was, really I was just going to say exactly the same thing. Yeah, um, <laughs> couple it with extra weapon as well. Yeah. <laughs> You're only crystalling on a two plus. Is that really that good?
2: <laughs> yeah. Plus their like, primary trait being seize the initiative works as soon as you have a single one of their titans on your battle group. So and
1: it, and and since the loyalist book have actually made them good because it used to be a really yeah. bad rule. It used to be so bad yeah. on the first turn
2: only. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah. now you able to do it in that last turn when you can make your war yeah. then first fire it
0: yeah i think i'm going to approach this one slightly differently and probably not um quite the same when it comes to underrated
1: here we go it's, it's going to be it's, it's going to be a Graphonicus, isn't it alex Graphonicus yeah, no, 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 no. is so underrated right now <laughs> <laughs> I, i'm I, uh, a legion that i think
0: should get more facetime and i don't see very much of and in that respects is underrated is i want to see more Oscara players like their <laughs> schemes are amazing Good luck. the rules are good You're painting like, i know you got to <laughs> i know you've got to do some chevroning there's got to be some sort of stenciling but yeah i'd love to see more of that stuff out there because i only know of a handful of people who play- painted them they've all been very very good but i just love that color scheme i'd love to see more But I'm not going to do it myself, but I'd like to see other people do it who can do it better
1: than me. (laughs) It's it's Oliver painting all these little chevrons by hand. He's freaking mad. Yeah, yeah, he's crazy. Yeah, absolutely crazy.
0: Okay, last question uh, before we take a break. Um, This is from one of our new patrons, Ryan Head. He says, when running a maniples that requires a single Titan match with Warhound, what sort of loadouts would you recommend for the Warbringer, War Reaver, respectively? Would you run them as a mixture of weapons to deal with all possibilities, or do you tailor them to a
1: specific role? That's a good question. Um, So so I going to say, the Venator, I think, is the easiest one. You take a Melter Cannon. Now, people say, I'll take a Volcano Cannon. No, that's really bad, because you potentially might shoot it four times in a turn. Reaver's reactors are good. (laughs) They're not that good. Unless you're... Unless you're uh, Mortis and you've you've got the of at War Master's beneficence and you've planned it right, No, just take the Melter Cannon. Yes, you have to get close. Oh well, Reavers want to get close. It's not really that much of a downside. Uh, so I like to go Gatling because then you can aim wherever the Melters hit. So hopefully, if you've done it right, you go free Melter shot, Melter shot gatling i'm really biased on that though because i get to reroll my location dice so it makes those two multi shots a lot more um reliable to be hopefully be in the same location the warbringer one it's a warbringer i don't know
0: i mean the warbringer it's like a, isn't it a free indirect shot or something uh, they, give, um, yeah. they when
1: they they indirect they only scatter D, d6 rather than d10 so it makes yeah. their scattering a lot more accurate
0: yeah with the mena uh,
2: not menadatum, the with the arcus for the indirect firing uh, it's definitely crying out for the Volcano cannons.
1: If two Volcano cannons and a quake, so you don't blow yeah. up on turn two.
2: Yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah. Well, you kind of want to do that anyway because you want to. Um, you well, you the, want to
1: blow up on turn two? Eh?
2: No, no. You want you want the um, you want the quake cannon because that will knock them. If, give you a give you the flanks for the weaker quake cannon, uh, volcano
1: yeah. cannons. So, sorry, I couldn't help with that time. I could that time in Mars, and that was perfect. That's it's all good. Yeah, <laughs> I don't. I don't <laughs> want rate idea. the Bellicosa on the Warbringer. Just, Ooh, interesting. I, I yeah. think it's the better. I think it's the best option. Not for this manipul, God no. But yeah. I, I think I think in general it's the better option myself. Uh,
2: it very much depends what you're using the Warbringer for. Warbringer suffers tremendously is that it doesn't have enough maniples
1: Yeah. Yes.
2: Um, it,
1: it also suffers from being the only titan that's carapace weapon is its main weapon, and yes. carapace weapons are the easiest weapons to avoid. Yeah. So
0: I kind of think that the Mori is for me always one of those weapons which you should take as well. Rather than solely, uh, that's why I think there's room for it in the Ruptura because you've got two um, two Warbringers. But I don't yeah. like take it's like I'd never take a um, a as the only option on my one. Um, I'd always take something else because that minus one to hit can be pretty bad. Um, obviously, the Arcus does mitigate that a little bit with that D6 rather than the D10. Yeah. If you do miss, you are more likely to still hit. Um,
2: that's why you're rocking the dual volcano cannons. Because you're basically saying, mm. in that case, my primary weapon is my volcano cannons. Mm. And I'm going to use the better reactor of the Warbringer to fire those volcano cannons Bet more.
1: Yeah. I'd just say, for the Mandatum, I would take a Brawler Warlord, because your Warlord wants to get close to help the Warhounds get their special rule. And I, I, I'm also biased, because the, the Brawler Warlord's my favourite Warlord. You take Gatlings, a Macro Gatling and a Plasma, and you just go as close as you want to to them and blast away.
2: I've Menadaptum has become my go-to for small games. Uh, it's the mana pool I pull out whenever I'm playing um, skirmish level. It really doesn't matter what ar- you're arming them with.
0: I, I, I think that with with regards to the second part of the question, um, I'm, I'm a firm believer in that you should always have a plan for what you plan on using your titans for. Um, I like to think I, I, I like to have roles for my titans. Like in a game where uh, sorry, it's in like a mandatum where you've got those warhounds um which are staying, you know, relatively close to a, a warlord. You know, the warhounds though are going to be your bread and butter shield strippers for the most part. So uh, I would be tempted to put some big, you know, pro- probably plasmas on the arms of the warlord and actually make him be the guy who is punching the holes. Um same for the venator. you know, you your your biggest um asset with that is that the reaver is there to punch a hole or to finish somebody off he should be a damage dealer you you shouldn't be making your venator really a shield stripper because his whole ability is based around triggering when a warlord drops another um, titan shields so my advice would be always go in with a plan of what you intend to use your titans for and i would generally build them to fulfill that role. I don't know what you feel about that, Mike.
2: Yeah, um, I'm all about roles with Warhounds. I'm all about roles most of the time with Reavers. Uh, I get less attached to it when you start getting to the Warlords, and definitely by the time you get to the war br- Warmaster, you shouldn't be worrying about roles. The more that Titan represents the dominance of your force, the more work it's got to do in all all roles. But like I say, I use the Menadaptum as a skirmish level maniple, so my Warlord has to be able to do everything. It has no role. It I build it so it can single multifaceted. out multifaceted. Yeah, um, I wouldn't probably take a man adapt and Maniple in an epic clash game. I go a lot more specialized. Even my manapull start becoming specialized at that point. And at which point, the warlords definitely become very specialized.
0: Interesting. So yeah, I mean, I agree. I think it comes down to your play style, right, and what you want to do. Um, it also depends on uh, you know, like who you're playing against. Mm-hmm. I think if if you know your opponent or
1: not. Oh yeah. Ben, any final thoughts on that? Um, yeah, so, no, I, I I think I basically agree with basically everything that you covered. Um, I, say, I I you work out what you want to do with them. Uh, generally speaking, you know, try and maximise your abilities. That's why I think with the Venator, you to take a melter, because you're going to shoot more, so you want something that's going to do the damage. Um, and you know, then kind of, it's just that opening, like, you know, the it's a free shot, so if it hits the head and does a load of damage even if you end up finishing the head it's not necessarily the end of the world but it gives you the options going forward and yeah with the with the loadouts um, i mostly agree i i do tend to focus on what the warlords are doing but that's just kind of <clears throat> i like weapon synergies one of the reasons i don't like, as we talked before i don't like the war... i don't think the war is great because a lot of the weapons don't synergize with each other too well yeah yeah, yeah. okay i think at this point we
0: will take a very short break and we'll come back in part two for our ignaton deep dive um at this point well, let's just hand over to our sponsors BattleBling, for their little message and we will be back shortly
2: princeps
3: does your titan need a refit, refit. refit. are your locomotors feeling sluggish Luggish. Luggish. do your machine spirits need lifting lifting, lifting. If the answer to any of these is yes, then head on over to BattleBling battle on the Etsy store. Our range of new parts, conversion kits, weapon upgrades, alternative loadouts,
1: and retro war gear will have your Titan ready for battle and make them the envy of any God Emperor.
3: BattleBling,
2: gaming accessories, bringing the bling to your battlefield. Warning, Battle products may contain awesome.
1: And welcome back to part two, where we're going to do our Fire Wasp uh, Legio deep dive. Um, Martin, you apparently collect Fire Wasp, which is why you're here. Yes. Um, other than the fact that, uh, did you do the the wavy lines which look like they're going to drive people to insanity? No. Um... <laughs> Whoa. Sorry. <laughs> no, I didn't. Uh, so, so... On the, uh, we did this at the end of the last one, so probably to yeah. the beginning. What's the elevator pitch to collect fire wasps?
2: The fire wasps are the loyalist Titan Legio. When there is a Legio that the Emperor, or when there, there is a situation that the Emperor personally wants some Titans sent to, he calls on the fire wasps. Stuff goes wrong in the webway, the fire wasps are just flo- deployed, and in the 41st millennium, when all this Horus Heresy stuff's said and done, they are the only Legio allowed to be on terror. That says it all. No other legion is allowed to be on terror. The legion were right there in the throne room. Job done.
0: So essentially what you're saying is if, if you want to be the loyalist of loyal legions yeah. and have some pretty
1: cool rules. Yeah. And you want to be loyal to? <laughs> I'd prefer being loyal to the Ultramarines. <laughs> yeah.
0: <laughs> All right. Yeah. Imperium Secundus.
1: <laughs> They're way cooler. Yeah. Yeah.
0: <laughs> okay. So there's the elevator pitch. Um... I think it's fair to say that actually um, I, think, I think Ignatian benefited from being some of the newest rules that have come out. I think like certainly oh, yeah. you look at some of the rules which were originally kind of published in Titan Death, they were very much finding their feet. They had a couple of books, um, uh, well, say a couple. They obviously released the, the span of books since, and it wasn't until um, the book before, uh, the Loyalist Legios book, Crucible of Retribution, that Ignaten finally got their rules um i think that personally before we get into it i think they've done a pretty good job with these guys and i don't know why i well, like, you know I, actually i know exactly why i haven't done these guys it's be, it's because of the wiggly lines and all of the airbrushing that would be required and the stencils that i'd have to buy that'd be the only reason why because i know that if i painted them, it would need to have all of that it would have
1: to have hexes, it would have to have wiggly lines. Do you find airbrushing stripes t- are tedious? Well, have I got the Legio for you! <laughs> <laughs> when we
2: discuss painting the Legio, we'll, 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 we'll get you. I'll not change your mind. Um.
0: <laughs> no, we joke, but actually I do think they are a very cool-looking Legio. I think yeah. some of the, all of those little bits and pieces make them very, very interesting to look at and paint. See some beautiful jobs.
2: Yeah, there is an entire conversation that I'm sure we'll get round to about their colour scheme and how it's a matured
0: Yes, there might be some yeah. questions around uh, yeah. some of that a little bit later on. Yeah. Yeah. So let's get into the actual um, the rules. So we'll start with the first Legio trait, We Loyal Few. Considering themselves the last remaining true Titans of Mars, the Fire Wasps hold a deep loathing for those Titan Legions that renounced their oaths and sided with the War Master. Legio Ignatant Titans may reroll hits of one when making attacks against an enemy Titan within 12 inches during the combat phase. Very nice. It is. I think everybody who does a review on these things mentions that re-rolls are relatively rare in this game. And this is is something that you're going to use all the time.
2: Yeah, re-rolls were rare until this rule.
0: (laughs) Yeah, I say all the time. (laughs) It's obviously you have to be within 12 inches, but I like these traits which always have a use.
2: Yeah. Um, It's a very simple trait. You aren't going to forget it. And it works regardless of what strategy you want to run. Yeah. There's no pigeonholing.
0: There was actually a question from one of our listeners um, who actually asked us a question about this particular rule in um, in question. And uh, that's from a guy called Grundig, uh, uh, Grundig sorry, on our um, Discord, one of our Patreons, uh, Lee Grundy. Um, he says, do you think that Ignatum's trait actually, um, actually ensures prece- uh, pre- beg pardon, princeps play the opposite way to how they are portrayed in the law? They're meant to be the masters of defence, yet giving them re-rolls within 12 inches encourages more aggressive close in play. I don't think it discourages that. I think, if anything, it allows you to play both ways. I I think that people are going to think twice about coming up and getting under your carapace weapon. Um,
2: The uh, sort of analogy I use, and it's actually used in one of the books, is they're called the fire wasps. The key word there is the wasp. The wasp is a very defensive creature because you get too close to it and you irritate it and it's going to sting you. Yes. And it's what these guys do. You mess with a hive and they're going to rush at you and mess you
1: up. There's, there's a few points that I have to this. I've made, made a bit of a list. <laughs> um, firstly, the straight does kind of work as defence because as you get close to them, their firepower becomes stronger. So trying to breach their defences becomes harder in that last section. Secondly, defending is not about sitting there and taking it until either they, the enemy runs away or you break. There's a lot of Historical uh, battles where people go on the, on the attack. If you want a classic example of this, uh, look at the Finnish Winter War between the Soviet Union. Now the manaheim Line, the the main extra. Yes, they defended a lot because that was a fortification. The other big long neck of Finland, that you can't fortify that. So they did a mobile defense. They would let the Russians come in and then they would circle around them and attack them and what the what they called moti tactics. And that was about being aggressive. Uh, secondly and i think this does help this is kind of a quote from general Patton, which i've kind of taken slightly out slightly almost kind of works it says uh, the objective of war is not to die for your country to make the other bastard die for his country so you know just, just defending isn't going to win you the war you need to go out and kill stuff and that's why i think this this works if you want them to hold an objective they might be 24 inches away from the objective but they've killed the enemy the enemy ain't taking the objective they've hit they've held they've held it. So it does kind of work.
0: I I really like how we have taken this podcast now to the next level. (laughs) This started as just two guys talking Adeptus Titanicus. We're now talking full-on military history. Well, you
1: know I love my military history. (laughs) (laughs) Any excuse? I can can get other ones out. Uh, Siege Siege of Constantinople. The famous Italian mercenaries, well, they weren't technically Italian. I can't remember what the city they came from. We get but, the point. Um, man. We get
0: the point. <laughs> we get the <laughs> they point. They would
1: they would come out and attack with their cross. They'd literally run out of the castle to shoot their crossbows and then run back in to break up the attacks.
0: Well, it's, it's the old adage, isn't it? That the best defense is a good offense. Um, yeah. And I think what what is good about this particular trait is it can be used flexibly. This stacks very well with things like Ferox manipuls where you need to mm. get close it also well any, any mana that you want to get close with so ruptura for instance you know are going to be pushing those um uh those reavers up the pitch up the pitch up, <laughs> up the, the pitch um, yeah up the pitch you're still in the euros yeah i'm playing blood ball again um yes. uh up, up the table obviously to get close because they get the free pushes and then they get the free active with the you know when there's critical damage caused by a um, a warbringer, anything that needs you to get close is going to run well with this therox in particular i think you know we'll talk about maniples later but you know it's some nice things which stack there the moment they get within that close range your your defense just became a lot better because now they have to weather an attack at uh, with you know that reroll, and and that's going to apply to all close combat weapons you couple that reroll with a macro-gatling cannon or something of equivalent, which is going to be getting a plus one to hit at short range, mm-hmm. and they're re-rolling ones. It's, it's nice. It's a really, I, I really like this trait. I think this is one of the best traits I've read.
2: One of the great things about it being 12 inches is it puts the opponent in a position where they have to start making some bad decisions.
3: Mm-hmm.
2: Are they going to get that? Even if they aren't wanting to go for close combat, maybe they're just going to try and stay at 14 inches away from you. That's fine. Eat my car pace weapons
0: hmm. and it's longer than most weapons short range yeah you know you're not getting plus one to hit with your vulcan yeah. mega bolt you're not getting you're you're not getting you're not mitigating the minus one on your plasma blast guns
2: yeah and you're not going to get close to me to hit me with those order modifier things some legios have got that sort of stuff
1: it is also uh you kind of mentioned there but most of the weapons which are hitting on two plus they're your strippers so you're making your opponent's stripping weapons worse by if they don't want to come close. Now, personally, I don't mind. I'm presagious. I'll sit 13 inches away from you and bombard. But, you know, that's because we're the better legio. Yeah?
2: The, other, the <laughs> other thing is, is uh, it also works on any weapon. So as I sort of said on a comment on one of your previous episodes, it's a really good when you get them into Power Fist range. The and Kahn and Power Fist rarely misses. Yeah,
0: nice. Mm. <laughs> I think we can all agree that we quite like this trait. Yeah, That's good. Um, The next one is one of their so they've got two stratagems. The first one is a one pointer called Punish Their Folly. Possessed of an abiding hatred for the traitor legions fire wasps are quick to adapt their tactics to exploit the traitor's apparent lust for blood, formulating overlapping fields of fire to punish the overeager. So this stratagem can be purchased by any Legio Ignatum player. Play this stratagem um, when an enemy titan ends within three inches of an eg- Legio Ignatum titan Part of a charge order before any attacks are resolved, that Legio Ignatian Titan may immediately make an attack using their ballistic skill with a weapon without the melee trade This reminds me, Ben, of of that uh, Masters of Defense um Crusade Legio rule a little bit. Obviously, without the the moving the free movement, but you know you'll be punishing for for one point if you're playing against a melee force. This would have play.
1: I mean, that that was kind of the issue of it, I guess. Um, I mean, Martin might have more experience, is that what kind of makes me wonder how useful this is? Because unless you know your opponent's going to go for combat, unless you see some Power Fist or Chain Fist, probably Chain Fist, um, you know, you're not are you going to be taking this. I mean, if you see Volper, then yeah, you like whack it down, like, you know, before anything else, that's the first strategy you're taking.
0: I mean, you obviously know before you start the game what the yeah, opponent's yeah, got, but... so.
1: But, I mean, like, I have my short list. When I, when I, when I make my list, I have my short list of, of stratagems that I'm most going to take 99% of the time. So I take it all the time.
0: You just hedge your bets, so they're going to want to get into that close combat range and charge. Uh, and, or they're going to... I'm
2: calling their bluff, because they're going to presume I'm not taking it.
0: Mm. And then charge you anyway.
2: Yeah. It's, it is... Yeah, it's just really useful to have in that back pocket.
0: Yeah, I I guess that's one of those stratagems, though, that does rely, if you're playing it that way, does rely on your opponent knowing what they'd be up against and knowing your pool of stratagems, you know. Yeah, Um, I make a point to
2: explain it to them uh, before every game. Um, (laughs)
3: Yeah.
0: Yeah, it's that
2: psychological warfare thing, and it's just, I would feel like a fool if I didn't spend the one point on it and then needed it.
0: Yeah, one point as well is... If it was yeah. two or more, you'd be probably thinking, do I, don't no. I? But yeah. for a point, you could probably yeah. risk a point.
2: Yeah, because it will stop the suicidal warhound. You get that warhound that's in the red reactor, it's got critical damage everywhere, and it's just been given the charge order to run at you like a mad, madman and hit you with a smash attack and then blow up. Yeah, I know a bunch of guys who like doing that, and I'm like, well, no, <laughs> I'm going to stop that.
1: Well, because the trick to do that is to do that, you run up and then you shoot your plasma more hoping you blow up. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah. That's the trick too. yeah It is worth um,
0: noting, though, that this is only... Um, that, that attack is obviously in the movement phase, which would be as the result of a comp, of a charge order, so the We Loyal few would not stack no, with no, that.
2: No, no, no. But, yeah, it's just, a, it's just a good one to have in your back
0: pocket. Uh, yeah. I quite, I quite like it, and I think against the right opponent, it would be pretty useful to take. Yeah,
2: it... <sighs> The only downside is you can only have it once. Yeah. So against Legio Volpa, it's just a matter of, well, they're just going to make me waste it.
0: Mm. Yeah, yeah, you might. I guess if you're overwhelmed, if there's like one or two Reavers or or somebody with a, a close combat weapon on your opponent's side, yeah, it's probably worth taking. But if, if like, I, I played a game um, before I had to pull out of the tournament against a guy called James, and he took it, it was a Corsair Manipal, which only had. A warp missile up top, and then it had power power fist and um,
1: power fist and chain fist,
0: chain fist. (laughs) Like no, no other guns. And against that, like you say, what can you really do? You're going to get charged once is not going to make a difference. It
1: it, it can slow down enough. It can swing the battle. So you know, if if you've taken out one or two of them on the way in, and then they finally get that charge turn, and then you then you you potentially take out another one or strip it, strip its chain fist on the charge. So it's not going to do as much damage. Like that could, that then does delay that combat. And it's, you know, I I find Titanicus can quite often be a kind of uh, game that kind of, and you can end up snowballing. So like, you know, you get a bit of luck, a Titan that should have died, doesn't die. Also that Titan then does a load of damage to another Titan. And then all of a sudden that advantage just keeps on going and going and going. Yeah. Yeah. It's,
2: it's useful against traitor players who are going to use their traitor ability.
1: Yeah, the the
0: extra two inches. Yeah,
2: the extra two inches and a super a super charge mm-hmm. is a response to
1: that. Have oh, you see my Kratos? Uh, two of my three warhounds have um, how oh, well hammers?
2: Yeah, yeah. One of them will do that super top charge. I'll shoot the hammer off.
1: Yeah, and then it'll melt you in the face. But
0: yeah, but <laughs>
1: <laughs> okay.
0: So on to the next strategy. Uh, so this one's a two-pointer, and this is called guard the gates. Loyal to a Fault, the Fire Wasps were often chosen to guard key worlds in, cert- in a certain knowledge that they would never abandon their duty. This strategy can be purchased by a Legio Ignatum player. Played a stratagem at the start of the first round strategy phase. Until the end of that round, friendly Legio Ignatum Titans can be issued the first fire order without the need to make a command check. This one I'm, I'm not so sure about. I'm, I'm, not a, I'm not a big fan of first fire in the opening phase. Personally, I often, in my experience I often find that by the time you've done the damage, they wrap it all back up again in the damage control phase. But have you have you used this one, Martin? Have you find haven't?
2: It? I haven't used it. I've looked at it and I've looked at tables and I've gone, I think about using it, but I never have. Hmm. It is going to be really useful in the game when I'm fighting Federico Volpa. Yeah, way back in the day, there used to be a great article on. Um, Bolter and Chainsword about styles of fi- playing 40k whether you had a water army, a fire army blah 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 um, and at the start of the game you need to decide whether you're going to be the person receiving the charge or giving the charge
3: Sorry,
1: my mind always goes dirty
2: Yeah, um, but Guard the Gates works really well if you know you're going to be the person not advancing
0: Yeah, so uh, like in a Fortis ma- uh, mana
1: pool.
2: Yeah, if you've got a build and you're going to be like I'm just going to hold back and let the enemy come to me yeah, sure. Go first fire that first turn.
1: It, this, but does always go my sorry. As I say, it does always go my thing against first firing on turn one, unless you vortex missile or something, which I still don't think is the best use of vortex missiles. No, it's um, you're giving up giving up the first turn first movement phase. I think is massive because then your opponent's completely dictating the uh, pace of the game. Now I know you say yes, you're probably going to receive the charge. I still don't want my opponent to completely dictate that first turn of movement.
2: Yeah, I I'd take it against a knight opponent. Oh god, if, yeah, if, that's
1: that's a different that's a different well, no, but,
2: it, but it, like <laughs> that's where this two this two point stratagem becomes great. If I'm facing knights, mm. someone's deploying fourteen, you know, three banners of lancers in front of me. Great, I'm going to do a first fire and shoot everyone with a volcano cannon that first turn, and then another round yeah. of volcano.
3: Cannon.
1: Yeah. yeah, yeah. Maybe maybe like if you're lucky, maybe you could of quake shells, and they're just completely. Yeah. Out of it for the whole, basically the whole game.
0: Yeah. Yeah. I think it depends yeah. on the mission that you're playing as well, Ben. You obviously mentioned about giving up all that ground. That's obviously more important in open than it is if hmm. you were playing the missions in the
1: um even with, the even with the missions from the book. Like one of the one of them is to get to the opponent's board edge now uh or get off the opponent's board edge. Now you could say, well, it's fine. You do first fire that one, but yeah, but you're massively then signalling this titan needs to die and also an unsupported titan, probably a warhound is not going to last long against almost any army. So, uh, it, I don't know. I just... Okay. Um, now, yeah. there is the dirty
2: thing you can do, obviously, is give everyone first fire and then switch one of them with the mm. loyalist trait, mm. yeah. which is a way to guarantee everyone has an order and then give that one person you need to get off the table full stride.
0: Full stride, yeah.
2: But you do that in the, after he shot. So he shoots in the movement phase and then he full strides. Yeah. Full
0: yeah, there, there are there ways is, around is, it. Yeah, I think this is very situational. I don't, this isn't going to yeah. be an auto take. Um, yeah, more so than the the um, the first um, yeah stratagem.
2: If you're putting together, say, a deck, or if you've got to pick all your stratagems for an event, which I know is fairly common, I'd take punish the folly. I wouldn't take guard the
0: gates. Yeah, yeah, yeah. agreed. I think that it, you certainly wouldn't pay three points for both, would you? You'd take. You'd probably take the one and then. Four points, assuming that you were up against another legio and build it out of the the regular stratagem deck, yeah yeah no, it's yeah. Inter- interesting. I know a lot of people do like first fire, so for that if you do, if you are one of those people, it gives you that option.
1: First fire is great, just not turn one yeah there was a
2: when Ignatum first dropped, there was a lot of conversation that it was if you you play the stratagem I and you always got to use it throughout the entire game that was cleared up in the errata so
1: hmm. okay if it, if it was like two points and you could always choose the first fire like you know uh-huh. would, then yeah that'd be fantastic i will take it yeah so the last
0: part of their the main body of their rules is their war gear gravitonic sensor array um as befitting their status as one of the triad pharaoh Morgullus, the fire wasps had access to technology lesser dust and illustrious titans did not these included sensors that enabled fire wasp titans to effortly track their targets even when obscured. Any legio ignatum titan may take gravitonic sensor array for fifteen points. Apply a plus one modifier to all hit rolls against a target that's at least twenty five percent obscured. This this seems quite like what the target um, basically... yeah what similar. furians kind of want or should have like you're yeah. not limited yeah. by the range. And it basically means you're never going to be taking a minus one for 25% obscuring. This seems very
2: good. Well, it also means you're only at minus one at 50% covered.
0: Yeah, Mm. which allows you to then really, like, one of the problems I find sometimes um, when somebody's that heavily obscured is it really limits your opportunities for targeting because on most times you're going to be hitting on a six. You're only taking a minus
1: one, it becomes a five or six. It's, it's this upgrade that makes me think Furion's one's going to get changed.
2: Yeah, yeah, I think they'll get one very mm. similar to this. Yeah, yeah, it is so good for the points.
1: Fifteen yeah.
0: points is is very very good. Like,
2: I struggle not to take it on every Titan.
0: Mm. You certainly so, should be putting this on your damage dealers.
2: Yeah, well, you want to put it on your shield strippers as well.
0: If you, if, you, if you've got the points, yeah, stick them on those. Yeah. But I, I guess where I'm coming from with that is that your Warhounds have got the maneuverability that, you know, they can, you know, they can probably get around the cover. Whereas your big static things like Warlords, which aren't moving, they kind of have to just suck up, like, wherever the opponent is going to be su- sat in.
2: I, I like it more on my Warhounds than my Warlords because ah, it means I can hurt my Warhound in 50% cover because it goes the other way.
0: Of course. Yeah. So, yeah. It, they're taking the minus two against you, but you're not going to be taking Mm -hmm. the minus two against them if you were on the other side of the building. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah.
2: yeah. And it pairs so well with We Loyal Few. Of course. Um, You get in that 12. Because what happens quite often, or I found, is that when you get all your brawler titans in that 12-inch bubble around someone's warlord, your own titans start obscuring yourself. Mm. I don't have to worry about that
0: i think for 15 points i would be taking this wherever i could
1: yeah um
0: because even coupling that with you know like obviously now the the auto take for there's the gyroscopic stabilizer well 40 mm-hmm. points for both <laughs> yeah i'd be yeah. 40, 40 points for both is absolutely i'd be taking that
1: yeah
0: ben's ben's shaking yeah. his head not so sure
1: no i'm i just think that the thought that's depending on how many warlords you got if you're talking about like an asturgeon mess then you know, that's 120 points in upgrades.
0: Oh, well, you're starting,
1: yeah. you're starting to push into. I mean, I struggle to take two uh, more than two
0: um, gyroscopic stabilizers in my extergamus. so I don't think yeah. you're going to be fitting it in a full extergamus, but in a in another one, you know, in a precept. In a if, if you've um... got
1: one more, if you've got one warlord, then yeah, by all means, I think take both would be amazing.
2: That sort of ties into manipul choices with Eligio. Um So I think let's put a pin in that and talk about it in a minute.
1: Yeah,
0: sounds good. We do have questions. Yeah. <laughs> not to be too cryptic, but manopause yep. make them later. Yep. Um, so let's talk about the personal traits then. So these are usually the duck in, in most um, legios. Um, we, we tend to talk through them just out of principle of covering all of their rules, and most of them are generally not better than what you get in the book. Yep. But there's some pretty good ones in here, actually. I think there's some abilities here which rival... I think my personal favourites, and it's not being biased, are in the Gryphonicus um, personal traits.
1: You, you are being biased. I am
0: being biased a little bit, yeah. um, but I think there's some ones here which have equal amounts of play. So let's start with Death Before Dishonor. For the Princeps, the only true defeat is to dishonor their oaths, and so they will never surrender, even if it leads to their death. The Princeps trait may, uh, sorry, the Princeps Titan may reroll failed hit rolls for their Titan if their Titan has suffered critical. However, during the damage control phase, spend um, any repair dice to repair disabled weapons before repairing any other kinds of damage, if possible. I think this is probably the weaker of the traits because it won't see too much play because you have to be on, like, death's door to get not the not most out door. of it.
1: You could, you could get hit once and you, you could take a critical quite quickly.
0: I guess you're going to be... Co- you're in a vulner- more vulnerable yeah,
1: position. You, you have to, you've had to have lost your shields most likely and taken damage for, before this triggers, yes.
2: It's a really fun one to drop when the enemy's got vortex. Hmm. Any form of vortex, whether it's a Psy Titan, vortex missiles, or even the dreaded warp missile. Because you're going to take critical damage real quick.
3: Hmm. True,
0: yeah.
2: And it's like, okay, you're going to vortex my warlord? Great. Yeah, I've got some reactor damage. Now I'm re-rolling all my hits. I don't need to be within 12 inches anymore.
0: So here's a question for you. I don't know if we know the answer to this. Uh-huh. You, take, you take a warp missile to the face. It does a critical point of damage. You take two um, pips on your track, and you get a, a point of critical uh-huh. damage. Um, at that point, you get these rerolls. You then repair that critical damage later on. Do you still get that ability? Because it has
1: suffered critical damage.
2: Yeah, my gut is to say no, but it's very ambiguous.
1: Yeah, My gut would be there as well, but I, I could understand. Again, it's one of those rules. I could understand it being ruled either way, and yeah. I wouldn't have a problem with it being ruled either way. If it feels a little cheesy to, well, you know, we've taken some damage to the legs. So we're going to really kill them. Oh, you fixed it. Oh, my, um, We're still going to kill you. Yeah, we're hungry now. We're, uh... yeah. I,
0: I guess maybe they would have used the word had. Yeah. If, if they meant, yeah. you know, like if it has, as in it currently has. Yeah, because I think you each
2: that status, each time you rolled dice, would be my interpretation.
0: But yeah. okay, yeah, it's obviously re rolls are good. It's nice to get a handful of re rolls. Yeah. But you know, I, I will come. We'll obviously talk about the other ones now. Yep. Um, and why you're probably not taking this one.
1: The only thing to say though is, are you, are you that interested? So you're already re rolling ones at short range anyway, uh, and you're also ignoring potentially the first minus one for cover. So you're only really re-rolling twos, and that's only if your weapon you're shooting isn't giving you plus one anyway.
3: Yeah. Mm.
2: It. For me, I'd look at doing it on like a rifleman reaver or something like that. That's going to be well yeah. out of range.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Okay. So, so the next one is called Foe Slayer. The Princeps believes that their honor will be restored only when every ch- Titan lays dead reserving a particular hatred for those of the Triad Ferrum During the combat phase, the Princeps may choose one of their Titans add one to the result of all armour rolls made with that chosen weapon. If the Princeps is targeting a Titan from the Legio Mortis or, or Legio Tempestus, the Princeps may choose two of the um, Princeps Titan weapons and add one
1: to the result. Can I just say poorly poor, poor Legio Tempestus? All these <laughs> negative rules get, get their stupid stratagem, which is awful. <laughs> well but they're going to turn traitor. Well,
0: yeah. <laughs> Depends who you're talking to in Legio Tempestus, but um yeah,
2: they're all traitors.
0: What what this strikes me of is it's almost like extergamous light that you're getting for um for no downside. You're getting that plus one damage. You're getting no heat in this instance. But obviously, if you are playing against Legio Mortis or Legio Tempestus, why wouldn't you pick this trait?
2: If you're picking traits, I mean, why wouldn't you pick this one on your Princeps all the time? Mm. It's, you've always got the... Most Titans are built without weapon you want that plus one strength on.
1: Gatling's being the classic.
2: Yeah, I mean, yeah. my Princeps that I run it on usually has a Melter and then Laser Hat and Laser Arm. Um, I love knocking that laser strength up. A strength mm. nine laser, and these becomes really
0: good.
1: Yeah, that's not, but yeah,
0: and a strength twelve melter is scary.
1: But then not the melter needs it. That's the thing. The laser, though, yeah. But 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 it's, the amount of times I'd say, like when, when you see, if you're getting like uh, Reaver, like uh, but when I've done my classic melter to open up the hole, and the Gatling to come try and finish you, the amount of times I've, I've like plus one strength would make such a difference to that Gatling. If it was like strength six.
0: And the thing that we keep laboring, of course, ordnance, you're re-rolling those armor rolls. So mm-hmm. all of those ones, you're then re-rolling as well, yeah. and, you're st- and you're getting a plus one on top. Yeah. Factor this into a Ferox manipul, where you're already mm-hmm. getting a plus one. Like yeah. You're talking, what, strength seven Gatling guns? Gat- Gatling yeah. cannons?
1: Well, yeah. hopefully, shooting a damage section as well, substantially so strength of eight, nine, or eight or nine. Yeah, yeah. obviously, yeah. Almost, yeah. obviously
0: within scale, but like yeah. you know, yeah. on a on a reaver in this instance, or you know. Yeah,
2: the best time I ever used this was on a uh, warhound with a super maximal fire plasma gun um, mm-hmm. that got on someone's flank in a. He was in the flank. He was in a uh, Ferox. He got this.
0: Is that strength fourteen? Strength fifteen no. in the flank. More. Yeah,
2: That's sixteen. Yeah. So I was so I was strength eight base plus yep. four for super maximal fire. Yeah, so that's
3: strength super Yeah,
2: I was I was I was in his flank. That so was thirteen. 13. At this was fourteen, and at the ferrox it was fifteen. Strength fifteen. So the lowest I could get was a sixteen.
0: Well, the lowest, well, the lowest you can get is a roll one. And well, it was, yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah,
2: yeah. Uh, and he he, he landed uh, all hits to the same location. Four hits nuked a titan <laughs> in one shot. I didn't dragon. even I didn't even take their shields down. I just ran in under their shields and just unloaded.
0: Nice. Yeah. Yeah.
2: It's it's broken. Really broken.
0: Yeah. Um, I li- I like this trait. I it makes me wonder we need to have a conversation with Oliver, I think. But like I don't remember any of these traits being applied to me when I played against Oliver and I would have had words <laughs> if I'd have known about <laughs> them. Yeah. And if he's not using yeah. them, then I need to ask him why he's not
1: using them because yeah. some of these are so good. Yeah. Probably because probably we told him they always hit the rubber ones <laughs>
2: <laughs> and, and, and they combo together. That's the problem, because that plus one works really well when you're hitting a lot, which you're going to be doing because you, you're the, are the bonuses.
0: Yeah. Yeah, you're re-rolling ones, you're getting a plus one to one of your weapon's mm-hmm. armour. Add to that any mana traits that you've got as well. <sighs> yeah. yeah. All right. You're getting a, If, if you've got, your, got the war gear on as well, you're yeah. suffering less minuses yeah. to hit something. Yeah. yeah
1: it's it's also the the fact though so you what's it sorry you you choose every turn yeah yeah so yeah during the conversation you choose so so that'll see if you've got the situation early in the game you can put it on your melter because hopefully your your shield stripping weapons might still need to go through the shields but then later in the game obviously then put it on the shield stripping weapons stop the strength it's that versatility it's not just at the beginning of the game go this one weapon is getting plus one, and if you're Mortis, this other weapon is mm-hmm. getting plus one. The fact is, goes right this combat phase, the flat flexibility always makes rules better. That's mm-hmm. why
0: I kind of referred to it as the Extergamus Light because it's yeah. okay, yeah. a very
1: stripped back version of that, but you're getting
0: some of the bonus of that with no none of the downside. Um, yeah. There's ex- just an ex- one extra point of strength can be, like you say, yeah. quite a big deal. Love it's it. That's why Ferox
1: really like that is one of the best maniples. Is plus yeah. one makes especially now um what's it the the Lupicle. wound loopicals got yeah. the, got nerfed which it oh, needed. that's how i got
2: that's how i got my strength 16 because they were in a pack so i got plus one damage there uh, uh, right anyway <laughs> I, 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 I got
1: 16 somehow <laughs> uh, yeah but, you're supposed to say since yeah since uh loopical taking that step back ferrox yeah. just it's, it's good it's, it's it's not corsair good but it's good. Mm-hmm. yeah
0: So the last one that we've got, Eternal Guardian. The Princeps watched the world. They vowed to defend Burn when ordered to retreat and now vow they will never yield the battlefield without a fight. Once per combat phase, the Princeps may reroll a single armor roll resulting from hits from any of their weapons if they have not moved, voluntarily or involuntarily, in the same round. Now, I, I don't like the whole not moving thing, but on a volcano cannon warlord... The
1: amount of times I've rolled a one on that armor. This this one reeks to me. If that's that one we just talked about didn't exist, and that one we talked about was like some normal trade yeah. which was just hot garbage. Like, what's it? The prestigious one where you can, if you full stride, you can shoot one weapon at minus two to hit. It's just like great, thanks. Like I guess uh, if they like if that was like the second one, yeah, that sounds really good. But we just read the second one, so yeah, I I don't want to be giving up my movement phase yeah. generally. I guess some people play that
0: you actually roll a d3, don't you? I, I, I lo- most people, I think we talked about this with Chris, most people just choose. But yeah. some people do play that they roll a d3, and I think two out of the three here, you'd be happy with.
2: I roll a d3 these days.
0: Well, look at you playing the no, rules properly. That's
2: because I <laughs> felt bad about just taking the plus one save all the time. <laughs> uh, yeah, right.
0: You're self-nerfing.
2: Yeah, and especially as one of my regular opponents is a Mortis player, I'm like... I'm gonna roll the D3 and see what we get.
1: Yeah, that's, that's <laughs> probably fair, Peaky. Uh, but we expect you to the same with And <laughs> oh,
0: That's uh, to be honest. That's fine because most yes. of the Graphonicus ones are fine as well. Yeah, yeah, because I mean, they're all usable,
2: and that's the thing. It's like I'm not gonna, f- I'm not gonna get a trait I'm not gonna use.
0: Yeah, even the worst one out of these three, arguably the yeah. worst one, death yeah. before if... dishonor, still
1: has play. Yeah, it's not bad. It's it's still good.
0: I yeah, and if, if I'm gonna show up
2: and play you in a and a random casual game, I'm just going to roll the d3 because otherwise it's a little bit too good.
0: I like, I like the, the self um, <laughs> you, checking yourself there, Martin. Um, you obviously don't play enough in the UK because we ain't that kind.
2: Uh, I mean, if, when I come <laughs> over there, I'll pick, but I'll have to. I, yeah.
0: <laughs> yeah, we're ruthless over here in Blighty.
1: Yeah. Are we? Is that Not why much. you never win, Peaky?
0: It's yeah, well, it's because I'm one of those rare people who aren't overly um yeah you know committed. So I, I I'm too nice. It's nothing to do about me being a terrible player. I wanna c will come back
2: to Eternal Guardian. There is a place for Eternal Guardian, and I actually have in my horribly broken list I play occasionally, it is actually one of my choices.
0: Okay. Um well that's all of the traits, as we said, like pretty pretty strong. Let's talk now about um, maniples and Lee Marshall aka Forge Mars, um asked on our Discord channel what is the best maniple to make use of their traits um, and stratagems um, I think we kind of touched on this already um, how, how do you play Martin? Well the
2: list I put together when I first saw the rules is to take a Fortis battle maniple and a Ferox light maniple run three of each Run them both at the same time. Uh, between them, I can demonstrate all of the rules of Legion Incarnum.
0: Yeah, that's, I, I would never have kind of thought to take that, because I, I've, I've never been a fan of the Fortis for the static. The, the fact they have to, you have to be so static, but with the Ferox, you can apply that heat. You can apply, apply the pressure. They can be going at objectives yeah. while still weathering that storm at the back.
2: So I have a Warlord and two Reavers who sit middle of the table, they form a little defensive bubble, and then the Ferox go up the flank and put a lot of pressure. Uh, And as looping back to those uh, traits. That's where the Eternal Guardian comes in, because I put that uh, Eternal Guardian on the uh, Warlord, rocking a Volcano Cannon and a Plasma. I don't need plus one strength on a Volcano Cannon.
0: No, and you're not going to be moving anyway.
2: But I do need to re-roll their armor rolls, because it's basically giving ordnance to the Volcano Cannon.
0: Yeah yeah nice and and on on we obviously spoke earlier that you, you're quite a fan of the war gear you know, do you do you usually stick the gravitonic sensor array yeah, and gra- the yeah that list
2: works with graviton and everything it used to be that i that list was supported by a banner of knights but i removed the banner of knights to throw the graviton on everything because it's just better
0: stabilizers as well
2: no Okay. Um, I actually haven't run that list since the Loyalist book dropped. Um, I used it twice, and both games were painful for me and my opponents. It worked very effectively. To start nerfing again, I've stopped allowing myself to do that, and I now run a Corsair Maniple because I just hone it back slightly.
1: <laughs> made it made it better, you mean.
0: <laughs> that, that sounds like a really nice combo. I mean, mm-hmm. for me... I... I can't see what you know, Ferox seem just seems like the obvious choice yeah. here to be taking. Like if you were just if I was just picking one, for instance. Mm-hmm. Like just off the top of my head, just there's so much synergy between a Ferox and all of those abilities and those princeps traits.
1: Mandata. has yeah. got a lot of um synergy as well. Yeah. Yeah. Because because you you know, you want your warlord to be within twelve of enemy titans, so your Warhounds get the plus one to hit then obviously Warhounds probably will also want to be at 12 inches because most of their weapons are quite short range.
3: Yeah. yeah.
2: No, That's, that's been my... I've not really... I've played around with Mendeatum at the smaller games. In. As I said, um, I have a habit of not playing regular-sized games. I think I've mentioned that on my podcast a fair bit. Um, it's been a while since I actually played a 750-point game of Titanicus. Um, she's saying that. I've realised perhaps the second or last game I played was... but. I went out my way to play one to remember what the game was like at that point level.
0: It's not a frequent normal size game. Whereas for us, that's pretty much all we play. Yeah. In fact, we're, um, we're toying with points changes, um, down the line just to see how it shakes up the game.
2: Yeah. I, I started playing a lot of Epic Clash going up to 2,500
1: points. Right. So I've got to, I've got to my five and a half, three and a half K game. Yeah.
0: yeah that just reminded me.
1: Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> we'll, we'll do that one other on the end.
2: Yeah. Um, I really like playing those larger point games. Um, you can fill out two solid mana pools and I actually find that the games don't take that much longer.
1: No, no I was surprised how, long, how quick a big game does actually take. The game scales really well.
2: And it's the same when you go smaller. Like It takes about the same time and I enjoy playing with a very small amount of engines. So when I run a small point game, I usually run Manet um, Atom. When I'm playing those big games, that's when the Corsair mana pool supported by... I've done a Corsair supported by a uh, Ferox. Corsair uh, supported by a Fortis has also come out a few times.
0: Do you go um, close combat or do you just go um, close range? One close combat Reaver,
2: uh, two two close range Reavers, or well, one close range Reaver, and then I'm a sucker. I have my uh, long range Reaver. Um,
0: by close range, are you talking kind of like Gatling, um, VMB hat and a... Melter, or what's your normal setup there?
2: So my close combat Reaver is Chain Fist, Alter Hat, um, Macro, uh, Gatling. Yeah. My mid-range Reaver is Melter, Turbo Laser, Hat, uh, Laser Blaster. Um, And then my other Reaver that I always run is the Twin Volcano Cannons and a Boccus Missile Launcher.
0: Okay, the the Rifleman. I learned about this a few podcasts ago.
2: Yes, yeah, and I keep him... Well, at the back to secure those backfield objectives and to deal with knights, because hmm. I don't want my other titans getting anywhere near knights.
0: Okay, and so the second part of this question related to stratagems. Other than mm-hmm. the stratagems that we've spoken about, what what do you generally find is is a good be comp- <sighs> taking with these guys?
2: I make great use out of either super maximal fire, as I mentioned earlier, or um, experimental weapons. Yes. Uh, anything to give those weapons a bit more punch, I'm gonna be hitting with them, so I
1: might as well use them.
0: Yeah. So so to people who aren't aware, the experimental weapon gives one weapon without maximal fire the maximal fire trait.
1: Always has to fire a maximum fire though.
0: Always has to fire a maximal Well mm-hmm. yeah. yeah. That's the downside to it, but yeah. Do you mean that there's yeah. another way
1: of playing? Well when you're stripping shi- when you're stripping shields and you and you randomly get it on a pair of uh, a paired set of gatlings on a warlord and you roll a lot of ones. <laughs>
0: But Ben, <laughs> everybody knows you always go big, go loud, and go maximal. I mean, come on.
1: Yeah. Well, oh, you will go big and loud if you
0: want. <laughs> yeah.
1: Um,
0: and yeah, the, su- the super maximal um, stratagem that um, Martin's referencing there is um, overcharge cannon, which makes your maximal fire yeah. ability go from plus two to plus four. So yeah, both both very nice strats. Two yeah. pointers.
2: Yeah, and um, I usually I usually take one or the other depending on the titans I build. Um, experimental weapons have meant that I've sort of ended up not taking many Gatlings, um, as people see me frequently <laughs> talking about. I, 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 I like my turbo lasers on my Warlords because I feel safer firing for maximal fire shots. Um,
0: would you take a... Would you consider taking a um, overcharged cannon on your Rifleman Reaver, Then you're getting your Strength 12 mini Bellicosa shots? <laughs> I've done that. Yeah. 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 Against the right opponents. It's randomly randomly generated, though, isn't it? You have to hope you don't accidentally roll your APOC missile launcher. Yeah. Yeah. It
2: usually goes on to a Warlord, which is usually um, Turbo Laser, Quake, and a um, Plasma.
0: Yeah. So we, so in that case, you don't really mind if it's your Quake or your Turbo Laser, which is getting yeah. maximum fire ability. It's useful on both.
2: Uh, yeah. 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 Neither is going to be too bad. And it, a pretty good Titan. It doesn't strip shields greatly, but it does what it needs to.
1: Hmm. Uh, the, the long retreat's got to be really good with the abilities, because um, obviously when we get within mm. 12, basically being, basically being a Corsair Manaple for a turn is never a, a bad thing.
0: And I guess also if somebody's got within your 12, having the ability to then retreat yeah backwards and keep them at sideways. 12 for another round side, or sideways. Side,
1: sideways because also yeah. the thing about long retreat is uh, unlike Corsair, you can boost your movement when you move yeah. out of uh, the they, front arc you
2: can't actually move i believe long retreats only rear arc though
1: oh is it anyway either way there's still yeah. even so if you boost up if you say if you've got reaver you move back nine inches you're still within your 12 inch bubble and yeah. the only the only downside you to be careful of obviously is you, you are potentially leave, aligning them up for a second charge if they are a combat if it's a combat reaver
0: if it's only backwards, I've been cheating for the last four months.
1: I thought it was sideways as well. I'm just <laughs> I'm, ho-
0: I, I'm hoping that it's it's sideways
1: as well. I know, they can move backwards. Okay. Thank God for that. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, because but the important thing is, obviously, it says it it's like you can use their boost. It doesn't say you can't use your boost of movement, but the Corsair manual yeah. does say you can't use your boost of movement. So potentially moving nine inches for a Reaver sideways, then turning. So you're now showing your front to them, and they're showing their side to you. And also, this then going to be awkward for them to get their charge off next turn. Yeah. Um, that can be really powerful.
2: Yeah. 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 Um, what I end up usually spending my strategy points on is I have, you know, you, you, you get your six. So I drop one on... Um, punish their folly.
3: Mm-hmm.
2: I, dro- I drop one on... Um, oh, God. I just had last-ditch effort.
0: Last-ditch effort I'm a big fan of as well, especially when you big, big titans. It's a great
2: one to have in your back pocket, especially if you're going to get in close, which you go into a legal incarnum. And that leaves me three. Um, So then I I do the two points of overcharge cannon, and there's me two points left, which both usually become iron resolve.
0: Hmm.
2: Because I just want to be able to pass those uh, order checks.
0: Yeah, nice. Ben, uh, any other opinions that you've got on this? Anything we've not thought of?
1: No, I think that's kind of on the stratum side. I can't think. Of, there's only two no I can not think of. Uh, maybe if you want to go really combat aggressive, uh, what's the Crusades Legion Titans? Titans of the then the combat one, which allows you to uh, charge better.
2: Only forwards automatically pass any charge orders. It's fairly
1: good. There's that, that one. There's the one which means you counters moving. The
0: for yeah. charges is it oh um the uh great crusade titans
1: that's the one titans of the great crusade yeah. something like that uh that those two could be quite good if you want to really uh oh yeah uh yeah great uh, great crusade titans T- Strategically i was trying to be purchasing loyalist player basically throwing around you get plus two to command checks for issuing charge orders in addition when uh when charging under six inches you count as moving an extra six inches yeah, so Perhaps two, three dice. At attacks. Basically, yeah, two extra attacks if you're only charging less than six. Yeah. But that's great because you do that, you know, you kind of stand there, let them get close, let them get close, and then you do this massive counterattack yeah. and push them off, which, um, yeah, which that, but obviously that's for the right build. That would be for like a, a yeah. Therox or a Corsair mana which has got some combat weapons. Yeah. It's also great if you charge. This is, as I thought, you charge with your two Reavers. You do some damage. If you, let's say, you charge a Warlord, you don't kill it. Start the next turn. You play that. You do move zero inches, but you yeah. still count charging six.
3: Hmm.
1: Yeah. So nice. that'd be an extra two attacks to try and punch through. So there's a lot. There's quite a few good uses from that one, uh, but which would work well with the, uh, the fact that you want to get close.
2: Yeah. At the, at the end of the day, Joe and Karnam's rules are so vanilla. Mm. They can be added. You can pick a... You want to... I want to play a game and I want to try this strategy. Legio Incarnum can support you doing that. Yeah. They're not like Legio Volpa, which come to back town saying, This is the strategy you're going to do and you're going to do it really well.
1: <laughs> Are you playing Legio Volpa? Oh, you want to stand back and shoot me, do you? You're playing the wrong Legio. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> okay. Yeah. L- last question
0: for the night, boys. Um, well, this is from Getty76. This is one of the questions that we had on Instagram. The big question, the big money question. What colour trim? Black, gold, or silver? Whatever you feel like. <laughs> oh, that, that's... <laughs> Talk about sitting on the fence. Come on. It has been covered somewhere.
1: They've retconned it. I, th-
0: I think that this... The reason that this is a thing is because in 80... Correct me if I'm wrong, Martin. I think you know more about it than I do. But in uh, 1988, they, were always, they always had silver trim. Yep. Then Forge World released stuff and it became gold trim yep and then the, the crucible of retribution book came out for titanicus and all of a sudden they had trim and i think this is where the kind of it's like the purists versus the current color scheme kind of disagree i think that there
1: i think there was a law reason at at what point as to why they would be different colors so george did actually find that we actually me and george had a conversation about this about a while ago and there, there is there is some a book I don't know which one that has covered this. And the, one of those annoying things where George has definitely seen it, and I 100% trust George, but could not find the source. So it basically depends where they're stationed or what they're doing. So one colours for Earth, which I believe is gold, because that would make sense, to be on Terra would be gold. One colour's when they're out on Crusade, and then one colour's uh, one colour, I think, is when they're on their home planet? That's what I believe it is. I don't know why you'd have a colour for your home planet, and then it seems leave your own planet. Yeah.
2: There was a great debate about this on the e- Legio Incarnum um, Facebook page. And I haven't seen a source that says that other than the conversations we've had, where basically that's what the communities agreed. I mean, it makes sense. We basically, and mostly, state that initially Legio Incarnum's colours were silver with standard stripes,
0: not, not the, not the wibbly wobbly stripes.
2: No, um, it's some wibbly wobbly stripes, but they also had standard. The titans, them were deployed with the custodians because a lot of the stuff in the um, Crucible of Retribution book talks about custodian deployments. Get the gold trim. Makes sense. And and then once Mars was lost, they started black trimming. Was it? It was a the news,
0: uh, At Yes. The mor- in mourning,
1: so to speak. Yeah.
2: Yeah, uh, or black paneling, because there is some art with uh Elidio and Karnam's having just blacked out panels.
1: Where'd you come down on the baby blue panels?
2: Well, that's... Cru- yeah, because that appeared in a weird art piece on front of one of the Horus Heresy books, which the artist yeah. did just because it looked good. And that sort of fits into the same category. <laughs> the same, yeah, fits in the same category. You put the blue panels on because it's a campaign badge. Um, and you start sounding like a real, real history nerd when you start talking about these titans of these... Colors because they represent this particular campaign at this particular moment,
0: but yeah, they all sound like perfectly good reasons to paint yeah. your titans however you want to paint them. And I'm sure yeah. you can be justified if you paint them in gold, silver, or black. I personally yeah. really like the black, so if I did them, I would paint them with black trim.
1: So just to remind yeah. what colonies to do that will damage the dead ones in on my bases, <laughs> <laughs> probably gold um, or silver. Yeah, yeah.
2: <laughs> now, um, the, the point that really cat the pigeons image is the artwork in the which used to be on the um manaple box and it's now in the page 20 of um loyalist book it has some titans that have both gold and black trim on the same time
0: oh what no
1: surely that's not allowed clearly <laughs> they've just been deployed in the different theaters how to change the trim color and the circles yeah. of any half to half finished painting as they went out yeah. um, but
0: it's like in um in world war 2 look here we are the history
1: <laughs> hour again
0: world war 2 they yeah. used to have the uh, i forget what it was called the um the basically it was the red the german red mm-hmm. un- undercoat color and there were uh, yeah. rock, rock blue or something like that or it's it's, a, it's a very it's a red brown yeah yeah um dunkel brown was that right so anyway well,
1: something like that um
0: it? which was basically an undercoat color for the times mm. and when they got retrofitted in the fields they wouldn't bother painting them, so you'd often just see a red cannon on the front of a. Uh, toward, towards yeah. the end of
1: the war, when it was just like, yeah, just stick it on, just get to yeah. the front. Who cares? <laughs> just, who cares? Yeah, yeah. So, and that's the yeah. So,
2: uh, as far as the trim goes, the answer is all of them. In that's how I. Yeah, it's
1: fair. It, It's one of those things. As I, I would say, it, it's your hobby. We should. which sometimes. I don't want to put the catch among the pigeons here. Uh Some heresy players i think sometimes forget because they seem to want to make do horus heresy as like this historically accurate game in a sci-fi game about a futuristic war that's never going to happen uh so you know they you know you you know oh you know if you want to do your ultramarines in a slightly different color scheme apparently that you know there'll be some issue in fact i think greg on god uh full stride talks about the guy had the quartered ultramarines yeah uh, basically comes like errants i think on 40k um and he got criticized at some event and then the very next book there was quarter alterings because it's the heresy and there was a lot of space marine armors to collect and it could be a badge of honor or you know or a crusade or you know a campaign color scheme it's your hobby if you want to paint your titans pink paint them pink no one cares or should care
2: but my argument is or my argument unless you are painting the art because color plates we have in these Titanicus books books on hmm. a color plate of this is what these tit- all the titans look like no this no. is what this titan looked like at this moment yeah and it usually gives you that in the text yeah so every one of your titans you should look at it and go i can see how that would belong to the same force but any hmm. changes is an excuse for you to come up with a narrative
0: yeah well there you go <laughs> the god en- the god engine cast and maximal fire sitting on the fence since 2020
2: <laughs> <laughs> no, no, I'm not sitting on the fence. All I want is I want a good story from you.
0: Yeah. And yeah, absolutely. I wouldn't care what people paint it as. Like if, if it was, you know, if it, it, part of the fun is doing what you want, building the story and coming up with a narrative.
2: Yeah. But I, I it's so easily done that especially in a game like Titanicus where we've got six models in a full army, mm. have that story. I mean, I had an episode on the Gun Engine Cast where I talked through and about the names of every one of my uh, princeps and Moderati.
1: Yes, I you remember can do that it.
2: Yeah. <laughs> yeah. There aren't that many people. You can do it. It's a skirmish game, and
1: I, I just got the 13 nameplates I need. For, I'm going to ever need for my um. <laughs> well,
0: Ben, you've you've spoken about this in a previous cast as well. You know, it's oh. it's it, um, the Titans take on a character of themselves, and rivalries hmm. are are made and built between players based on what happened between that Titan and their sides in games gone by and you get that narrative. Yeah, yeah.
1: it's it's very much like playing like a Blood Bowl League or an Ecromunda campaign is it, a without actually having to have campaign rules. It's great. Yeah. The um yeah. but that that but, but that does come from just doing this little character things like naming them, like reasons for schemes. Um like one of my Persagius uh, Reavers has on his on the personal heraldry has an Ultramarine symbol. So, I guess at some point, his family did something with honored by the Ultramarines, and they're allowed, they're allowed to wear the Ultramarine badge as they're, um, on their personal heritage. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah.
2: Yeah. I mean, per- personally, for the gold and trim debate, is that I'm mostly gold because I painted most of mine according to the Duncan Rhodes painting video on the YouTube community site, <laughs> which is gold. Yeah. Um, but I've started doing some black trim, and I've got a narrative reason why there are two f- types
1: in my force. Peaky, do you want to do black trim because it'd be quicker? Oh, Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> I'm so sick yeah. and tired of painting gold trim. <laughs> but no, you could you could have two different maniples. Well, that should be a really good way of denoting between the maniples actually mm-hmm. mid-game. Yeah, yeah, and actually, it's
2: really easy to paint. Um, painting incarnum is easy with the gold trim if you just spray all the armor gold, hmm. because gold is a really nice base for the yellow that you want to use for the hazard stripe yeah. panels anyway.
0: I'm a messy airbrush painter, so anything that's underneath doesn't uh, survive first
1: contact with my airbrush. Usually, I have to go in over the top. You just get masking. You you just get masking fluid, Peaky, and spend all that time painting over the trim.
0: Tape it. Masking fluid. Ah, oh, it's just it's too much of a
1: ball ache, mate. I'd rather
2: just go in and. Mate. That's how I do all my stripes. Just hand me a tape.
0: I find myself spent when I like. It was very much the case of uh, that with my Crucius. Probably as much time masking taping the whole thing up to get my stripes did actually painting the whole thing. Uh, it, it, it's yeah, one of one of the benefits and draws, um, benefits and negatives of, of being an airbrush painter. But uh, yeah, yeah. Well, I I think that kind of rounds out the show for today.
1: Yes, Ben. We're going to cover my three and a half hours point game. Okay, go for it. So, uh, so yeah, me and George played a three and a half thousand point game of Titanicus because we were meant to be at the Derby tournament, but I couldn't go because Cat was on call cool in the end mm-hmm. and couldn't swap out of it. But anyway, so it's actually a big game. Um, he George took his War Master and normal horrible stuff. Um, I only could just get to set three and a half thousand points, so I basically took everything I had. So I had a lot of smaller Titans. Obviously, um, the mission setup we did open war, but we basically randomly drew one mission but also had the kill mission. So we had two missions, just to try and get some more... Because obviously, if you're the bigger game, you kind of probably want to have more to do than just, you know, just yep. one, basically either kill each other or just one objective. Then also, we did the same with secondary. So we pulled two secondaries each, chose one of them, then pulled on different two secondaries and picked another one of those. Mm-hmm. So that basically gave us four missions to achieve, which in a big game kind of felt about right. Um, in the end, we ended up with the one where you had the three objectives uh objectives in each other's deployment zones you have to run over and get them which turns out is quite hard when there's a lot of titans in the way mm-hmm. <laughs> but, but anyway but yeah um I was gonna say guys play big games Titanicus it took us about three and a half hours to play three and a half K. Yeah um and we had a we had a break in the middle uh we thought we were gonna be rushed for time. Actually no uh we, I George we got here about 11 sat up the table, started just before 12, stopped after the first turn for lunch And it hadn't been for a massive rain downpour, which my gazebo basically decided, no, this is actually too much rain. I can't handle this. And we had to start, like, getting shielding up one of the sides, which only lasts about 20 minutes. We would probably have been done by three o'clock.
0: I think this is, we've said this before, with the smaller games, like 12.50 takes the same amount of uh, time as a 17.50. Because the bigger the games that you get, the quicker stuff dies. And that kind of, I think, balances out Mm. um the, the additional points it's not like apocalypse where you could you know in, in 40k
1: where you could be playing a game for six eight hours right like, and the fact that it's you go i go i was about to say that's that's the biggest thing because like, know you do doing an apocalypse game uh, me and george used to play a few apocalypse games just one-on-one because they would be really honest guys i hate massive multiplayer games they're never as good as you think they're going to be um i don't mind like lots of lots of games lots of big games that will kind of link in together like the uh played this game for long enough the armageddon campaign i can't, about a armageddon campaign where they have like the big game with like the four smaller games on the outside yeah. battle report that's great that's such fun but if i'm playing a big game more than about three people aside i yeah. start getting a bit mm, about it but yeah um it's yeah because it's you go i go so and generally speaking except for the movement phase you're both in you're both interacting in that go so you know if i'm if i'm shooting well you still probably go make shield saves or you still got to move your dial or whatever because you're taking damage so you're not sat there like you're at 40k just watching them and go okay yeah. well, that was 20 minute movement phase okay cool now you're going to shoot some stuff you know, yeah it's 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 very snappy when well, it's great, you know so you're constantly engaged oh, we're going to do it again we actually want to get slightly bigger so uh, no i highly recommend it was really good fun i didn't I want to well, like say- it was fun
2: yeah, a lot of epic clash, which is up to two five, and I've done that with just standard missions, no mm. additional. Um, I played some of the missions in the core books, the narrative stuff, which call mm. for big games. They've been good fun, uh, though. I've always shot myself in the foot by trying to do them as multiplayer games, and Titanicus really doesn't work as a multiplayer game. There isn't a good way to include multiple people uh, in the you go, I go. Um, you get the forty k problem. Eventually, someone is sitting there for twenty minutes, not doing anything.
0: Yeah, I guess in the in, in the way that you played that, though, Ben, you are effectively playing a multiplayer game without multiple people. You, you've uh-huh. apart from the stratagems side, which obviously would be you'd have to work out. You've got the, twice as many missions, so it's
1: it, the things. If if you did multi, I mean, I guess secondaries, you would just do. Everyone gets the picks too. I guess mm. you would do. Um you would still end up i think as, as martin says you would especially as the game goes on so we ended the game we had 19 titans start the game on turn one and by the end of the game we had three titans left hmm. so if you're that unlucky person that just happened to take the brunt of everything you're gonna start yeah you know not being as involved with things that are going on uh but yeah no, as I said, it was really good fun um i say people to try it don't be scared obviously titanic once you got the rules down it does scale well and i mean especially if you had a war master in george The a war master i didn't but if you've got a war master really you're paying a two and a half thousand point game with all and with an additional war master and that's yeah. not actually that much
2: no and i like I say and i'm if it wasn't for the number of models required i'd be very tempted to try and push my next year's iron halo to epic clash level
1: mm. It, it is a slight barrier entry for some of the some of the more casual players I guess
2: yeah yeah um, but it gives space for the war master on the table and it's a good yeah. titan
1: yeah it's um, good fun I mean I've, I, every time I've seen them they do go down pretty quickly
2: yeah yeah I mean they're not bullet they're backpacks. not yeah they're bullet, and they don't win you the game especially at that point size when I'm going to run you know a lot of reavers yeah. um, a lot, you can take a lot of corsair maniples of that size um, I had one okay <laughs> um, but yeah so yeah just play the big games being out the big titans
1: there was a funny moment. I took two vortex because I think we're going to take vortex missiles three and a half K games the game to take multiple yeah. vortex missiles and um, I fired this one on turn one and it hit George's warlord and then basically proceeded to follow his warlord around the boards <laughs> for the rest of the game did actually catch up and hit it again both times it only hit the weapon only hit the weapon on the second one though actually no, it hit three times sorry but it hit the weapon twice and it was like
0: I've got the Benny Hill music running through my head. You pretty
1: much There's a
0: warlord's trying to escape a vortex.
2: Well, while it's in my thought, and one last thing before I go. Um, so, on my last episode of Got Engine Cast, I was talking about changes I was making for rules. I think it was, in fact, one of your questions, Ben, um, about the vortex missile. I was hit by inspiration about how to fix them. I was going to run it past you guys. I want vortex missiles to take two turns to fire.
1: Yeah, I, I, I think I had that on the cast. I think I like that because, yeah, if you go, right, yeah. Turn one, I fu- Turn when I get ready. Yeah, yeah.
2: And, the, and that turn, you get you get ready. You could have exploded on yourself.
1: And I, I did think about it I went, Well, then surely you just hide on that turn you're firing. But that's fine. If you're hiding, that's a whole turn. Your reaver's doing nothing. Nothing.
2: Yeah. It means yeah. your reaver's only going to engage you in turn two.
1: The, the yeah. other change I would make is I think you can only be affected by it once per turn. So if, if you get hit by the shooting phase, when it moves mm-hmm. off you in the maintenance phase, it then doesn't hit you again. I think because I think that's where's. Yeah, that's why I think it's a bit too good.
2: The other really big fix, and probably the simplest fix they could do in NFAQ, is you don't actually take the damage from the Vortex until the end phase.
1: Yeah. I think that would that would also that would also have no issue with... Um, it's just that double whammy. Mm-hmm. The, amount of, yeah. the amount of damage I've done to Titans with that double hit. Yeah, And, yeah. and then, I, you know, as soon as the shield's down, it's dead. Yeah, yeah. And if, and if it you hasn't get, died already, yeah.
2: You so. take a couple of criticals to the body, you're done.
1: Yeah. Yeah, no, I, I think that there's a couple of... There's definitely... So I want the, I want it to be in the game. I want it to do stuff. It's just not quite there. Um, it's quite interesting because most of the weapons they've added have been underpowered when mm-hmm. they first come out, and they've had to do FAQs to or rule change in the Lawless book to make them better. Um, I think there's an argument. I think Volkite on Reavers and War uh, Warhounds could just gain Just could just gain Beam. I think they just give them all Beam, and I think it. I don't think it makes it as good as a um, Vulcan Mega Bolter still. But I think if you gave it Beam, I think it then starts to have more of a place in the in the weapons arsenal. But yeah. anyway, a, but the Vortex is the one weapon they seem to have gone the other way with.
2: Yeah. For both those weapons and for what well, I'm waiting for the Traitor Book.
0: I see what they do, like they did with the Ursus Claw changes and the Shock yeah. I
2: changes. Just, I, just yeah. feel, I
1: just think the Traitor Book is going to come out too soon for it to get well would
2: it would be really interesting to see is if the Traitor book had not necessarily an FAQ, but some additional rules for them.
1: Okay.
2: Uh, is there yeah. a weapon upgrade that they were planning to give you the ability to take?
1: Yeah, mm. no, no, I say I, I don't think I don't think it's far off actually being good. That's no, the thing. No, no, and it's like if they
2: would if they were toying with something else while they were developing the weapon, and that things mm. in the next book.
1: Well, I I think the problem is going by the Warhammer article, I dare say they misread what. Showbane does i think i think they thought yeah this does nine hits that's great i'm like yeah nine hits would be great <laughs> yeah yeah okay guys yeah. um
0: well i think that's that about covers it for today um yeah. i think i've come away with a whole new appreciation for legio Ignata and fire wasps and i think i did have for them coming into this um martin thank you so much for joining us okay. tonight Um. Here's, here's your few moments. Give people that elevator pitch for the God Engine cast and uh, oh. why they should come and listen to you guys if you needed a reason.
2: If you enjoy the Maximal Fire podcast and you can't wait for the next one, there's a possible chance that there's a new episode of the God Engine cast out there. <laughs> uh, you find me in all the same places you find the Maximal Fire guys. Um, and I'm putting out episodes when I can at the moment.
0: Um, Martin, thank you very much. Big. Um, Yeah, me and Ben really, really appreciate it. And uh, we'd love your show. So um, that just leaves me one more thing to say, Princeps. To always play Corsair Manipur? Well, other than that. Thank you very much, Princeps. We'll see you again next time. And always remember, go big, go loud, and go maximal.